Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. And joining us again, it's the boss of Grapple. It's our mate at Scrapple, Gareth. Hi, Gareth. <laughs> Hello. Stop with this boss shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people missed you. But you are the boss. <laughs> <laughs> the underboss. <laughs> so the bad luck Farley in the podcast. Oh, that's fucking cruel. Man. I'm going to be saying that. I brought it on myself, I said it. <laughs> I've been keeping tabs on you lately, Gareth. I've literally, in the last, well, week, pretty much over the weekend, I drove past you three different times while you were out for a jog. Um, I'm honestly not doing it on purpose, but it's good to know that you're, you're out there, you're getting your exercise in, you know. Just, uh... I said to you, I said to you, it feels like this like Undertaker DDP angle. I'm, I'm out for a run and I like look behind a, I look behind a car and I just see you like peering over the top. Or, yeah. Just like, who's that? that in that phone box there? And just see you sheepishly like uh, emerging through the glass or something like that. You need to cut it out, mate. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the thing. We used to live like five minutes away from each other and I'd never see you. And now, like, I keep, since lockdown's basically unofficially ended, I just keep seeing you every week now, mate. Oh, you miss me. That's it. <laughs> uh, you need a restraining order, mate. That fucking sounds <laughs> terrible. Oh. But yeah, we uh, obviously we missed you last week, uh, Gareth. You, you, unfortunately, you missed out on our great uh, gladiators chat. Uh, I wondered if you had any gladiators memories you wanted to share with us on this one. Uh, I know you were good to miss that. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, got, got a few great memories of uh, memories of gladiators. Notably, number one that it's a pugil stick that Shadow used to use to hit oh, people with. Okay. I was I was sat screaming at my uh, at my phone as like you were just yeah those big sticks with things on the end. I was like fuming in my kitchen. Pugil sticks. How did Steph describe <laughs> them? It was like um, like cotton buds or something like yeah. that. like a giant, giant cotton bud. <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong. You just picture Shadow with one of them in his hands. Yeah, it doesn't quite yeah, get the same visual. You should but have been the face of a campaign like that in the eight in the <laughs> shouldn't they? But no, no. What is is this? The, is this the jet, the jet story that you want? Uh, no, I'm just trying to ease that out here, to be honest. Be playing all this. So, Gareth, I believe you have you have gladiator memories. Well, you're a big fan. JP got kind of hung out to dry last week by me and Steph as the uh, as the Jeff fan of the podcast. I thought like you might be able to uh, back him up a bit. I, I really wasn't alone in that. <laughs> you yeah. got, got a fair amount of feedback. Who wasn't a who wasn't a fan of Jet back in the day? I mean, I had this lovely Jet poster that I used to have on the wall. That I think my uh, I think my mum and dad were very pleased to see uh, go up on there next to Ravish and Rick Rude and Demolition and things like that. I think there was a, a nice balance there going on my wall once uh, once Jet came into play. But um, yeah, one of my friends uh, managed to nick my Jet poster and uh, uh, return it to me about two weeks later with a, a rather suspect uh, watermark, uh, as he uh, as he put it, on the poster there. So uh, wow. needless to say, it didn't go back on my wall and unfortunately went in the bin. 
that's amazing. <laughs> Content. Oh, that. Did you ever think you'd bring up that story in public? Here we. Absolutely. Does she make this to the podcast? I assume not. No, no, I don't, don't think so. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'd even thought about that for thirty years or something like that till uh, till you uh, till you brought it up last week. So there you go. You're uh, popping happy memories as well along the way. I'm sure it wasn't just Jet though. I'm sure people had their posters of the Wolfman and Warrior. He was a looker. Looker. I'm sure there was a, yeah. a, a Lo- local Liverpool criminal warrior. Is he Liverpool? Is he is he from the Wirral or somewhere like that? That rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was, there was, there was def- I mean, there's definitely some alleged news stories about him having um, certain things in his gar- uh, buried in his garden, money or drugs or something like that. There oh, right. Definitely... I thought you were going down straight into a kind of bit like Undertaker DDP in some way, that he might have some <laughs> corpses in his garden. And I thought, well, uh, that common knowledge without it being kind of brought up? But sorry, Gareth. Yeah, no, he was. Uh, there was. There, he was, I think he's, he's definitely done time warrior. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Uh, anyway, Google that, listeners. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not slandering anyone. Let's uh, <laughs> alleged guy. Here you go. I've just quickly quickly googled it. Micah Hearn warrior uh, jailed 1998. There you go. So there you go. You don't have to do any editing there. But uh, now you want me to click into a story as well? Fucking hell. Yeah. Well, you've. You, you, I imagine you, it's a litany of crimes. I mean. If, if wrestling's anything to go by, then I can't imagine these uh, these gladiators are upstanding citizens either, JP. Uh, I've, no. ju- I've just I've just scrolled down and there's a photo of Curtis Warren on there, so I think that's all you need to, <laughs> to need to know if you know Curtis Who, Warren. Who's he? Oh, yes. Curtis Warren. Just, Is he a bad lad round your parts? Yeah, he's no Stephen French, mate, but he's uh, he's uh, yeah, he's a name, I think. Fuck it, hell. I don't. Think, I don't know if any of that's going on around Oxford. It's probably been run by some academic, and Morse might well have sorted it out sort of twenty odd years ago, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think the biggest gladiators in justice there was always the person who got the opportunity to go up against Wolf. Like mm. I always thought, even as a kid, I was like, "Hang about, you've got like this poor person's having to do this whole assault course with fucking Shadow chasing them, and this person's got some <laughs> balding fifty-year-old man chasing them, just sort of like <laughs> doing sort of Ortiz kind of Wolf in <laughs> movements kind of thing along the way, sort of." Then, uh, I think that was a bigger injustice than uh, than, than than anything else, and anything to do with posters or warrior or anyone. Yeah, I think you start to realise as you get older that it was all the work with Wolf. Although, yeah, like you say, as a kid, it was kind of it basically. Again, that's just so wrestling, isn't it? Like he had no work rate, but he was all character. He was all about telling stories. The Wolfman. That's oh yeah. <laughs> what a hero! Yeah, it's like Jet as the perfect baby face. Hmm. Oh yeah, like I was gonna say, like for me as a kid, like I know I don't think I had any gladiators posters on my wall, but I definitely had like I had a couple of tear outs from Raw magazine and WWF magazine of Sonny, like when I was about eleven or twelve, and my mum found them and ripped them off the wall and wouldn't let me have them up. So there you go, my mum was teaching me a valuable lesson um, about uh, exactly gazing at the opposite sex. You know, good lesson. Exactly. Should have had like a Rick Rude and a demolition poster on there. Like, <laughs> yeah, we did. I definitely had the DDP up, not just because Kimberly was there. I was just a real big fan of DDP. Um, no, you were just getting ready for that stalking angle all them years ago. <laughs> there you go. I do actually remember my dad looking at the poster of DDP and, and uh, Kimberly Page and going, "Ease, we're there." I knew wrestling was fake. <laughs> <That's Yes. laughs> oh, broken. Do you have any good posters up when you were a kid, JP? I imagine it was all Mate, what Ireland, Waterford. Arsenal. It was Ireland and Arsenal. 
for, for quite a heavy rotation, especially around sort of Euro 88, Italia 90, Arsenal winning the league in 89 mm. and in uh, 91. Yeah, like a lot of sort of, I mean, these days, like a big Tony Adams poster. And that was before he, like, he was on the drink then. Wow. He was drunk, drunk playing. Oh, I read his autobiography. There's a centerfold, Tony Adams. Cracking read, yeah. Um, yeah, and then he, he came back and, you know, it was all pasta and poetry after that, wasn't it? And, <laughs> and, a, and a double. So I was like, all right, Tony, whatever floats your boat. Shocking <laughs> manager, though. Um, but, yeah, those are the kind of posters. I think there was, I had a Bret Hart poster. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. There might have been a perfect poster as well. But I was not you, lads. I didn't have, you know, just lewd stuff around. It just strictly on a sports basis. Yeah. But Catholic parents, what can I say? Uh, I was going to, well, the other thing I was going to mention as well is like on that, uh, on that warrior point, like he's a bit, like I say, he's, he's, I suppose he's a bit of a, a legend around these ways. My, my, uh, my Google photos reminded me this week, JP, it was literally one year ago this week. That you got to come up to, that you came up to Liverpool and visited uh, Brookside Close, and uh, oh. you and Joe got to walk uh, walk past the world famous cavern and do your do your best, Jeff Jarrett. Where the fuck is the time? And I was that only a year ago when we did the ferry across the Mersey with uh, right. with Gareth and uh, and Andy Ogden. It seems like a very distant dream given mm. the current circumstances, doesn't it? It's like, did that really happen? Like, mm. would we ever be able to do that ever again? Um, yeah, it was a great weekend. A heavy weekend. Joe had missed out on the TNT show. Oh, yeah, you came um, to Thursday, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think me and Gareth, we were, you know, very tired and emotional by the end. Oh, we, were, uh, we, were. We, had a, we had an early start in the uh, train, sp- train station where the spoons, didn't we? Classy start of the day. Um, Just on it. I've, been, I've, never felt, I've never felt worse. Like, I, I didn't meet you guys till later on on that Thursday, but I went to, went to work on that Friday. And then tried to keep up with everyone Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. <laughs> Fucking, honest to God. Like, all day Sunday out with the Ogdens in Manchester after yes. already spending three nights drinking. After staying up to watch the fucking AAA pay-per-view in Garrett's house. Fuck me. <laughs> I, I... It was a great weekend. It was a, it was a really good weekend. And, the like, uh, I mean, that venue they had for future Garrett's house as well was... <laughs> <laughs> He'll be having them there from now on, won't he? <laughs> Grapple Towers. <laughs> He's got a house like the Bucks, he has. <laughs> Just don't, don't, don't run the peacocks over next time. <laughs> uh, any uncensored stories from Joe and JP staying in your house last time, Gareth, or anything like that? I don't think so. I think they were... We were all well-behaved. Behaved, yeah, yeah. I think... We're old now, aren't we? It was like kind of sort of light craft. That amazing pub in Liverpool that I'll never remember the name. Ship and Mitre. Ship and Mitre. And it's just like, oh God, you could live there, couldn't you? <laughs> I mean, you'd have a problem, a massive problem if you did. Mm. But like, all the same, it was just like, yeah, it was. It's, it, it's a great city. Like, it's, it does real life to it. Um, which is, yeah, and it just feels like at the minute, are we able to do that? Are we able to, you know, ha- how's it going to work over the next uh, few weeks, especially when school's reopening and the rest of it? Sorry to bring down the entire tone <laughs> of it. So never to bring up that horrible virus that's 
that's killing loads of us. You can join our well, level, Sorry. There was that TNT. There was that TNT show running again. I was thinking, oh, it might get, uh, might might wheel you up for that one, but sold out, unfortunately. Uh, I might Where know are they a guy, doing Gareth, it? I can sort What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Is <laughs> it in a field? Favor. What was that? It's in a, No, it's Is not. It? They're doing it in the venue. You know, it's like um, I that think the fucking tiny venue. Yeah, they limit it to like a hundred people. <sighs> I think that's generous. Jesus. Yeah. To be honest, the hundreds probably. You know, I've been to shows with less than that from TNT. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling a bit... It's the end of October, so we'll see. You know, from a safeguard mm. point of view, we're going to talk about some other promotions on that later. And, you know, the, the, the saying and doing a lot of the right things, TNT. But, I don't know. It feels far enough in the future for me that I'm, I'm willing to kind of say, okay, probably. Uh, probably I'd go, but I think I'd probably want to wear, stand in the corner and wear a mask, maybe, and like definitely not use those toilets um, that we've, uh, no. we've all seen the state of. Um, after a certain Brit Risk promoter went in there once, but let's not talk about that. Um, it's a fucking war crime, those toilets. <laughs> if you, but that's the thing, though, isn't it? Going to live stuff, it's like everyone's like, oh, you know, even if you did like outdoor shows, there's still gonna have to be fucking portaloos and toilets, and there's still gonna be like opportunity for like transmission. Like, I, I don't know if I'm just getting, if I'm being stupid or I'm getting brave, but I did go to the pub last week. Like, I went to Brewdog, um, speaking of going out in Liverpool, and it was fine to be honest. Like, we were on our little table, like with a glass partition between all of the different booths. Um, you know, it was expensive because we ended up staying in the same place for like four hours, and you know, how expensive brew dock can get when it's like you know eight pound for for two thirds. Um, I'm a fan of their beers, though. I know the uh, the beer snobs and the Ogdens and the like aren't. Uh, I'm gonna look too fondly on that statement, but I think their beers all right. I don't mind paying for it, but it was fine, really. I didn't really have an issue. We ate there as well. Um, got that discount we were plugged last week from the on part of the part of Will and the Tories. Um, oh shame. Yeah. <laughs> But it was fine. Yeah, it was all right. To be honest, the only the only bad point was that when we left, we were um, because you're kind of not used to like the table service thing. We tried to leave without paying, and we actually went to a second bar and did that a second time as well. And then the second time, literally, the barmaid chased us out into the street to get us to come back in. So definitely, thinks we're a, we're a gang of bad lads trying to uh, have the money. Yeah, we did we did pay for both, um, but it's just kind of like you know, yeah, I know, I know. You get them out, you know, on a, on a Tuesday night. What's going to happen? But it's like... I can't say it, Gareth, but you can. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not a routine, I suppose is the point I'm going to say. Uh, so I don't know, but maybe by doing that, maybe I'm. Um, you know, tempting fate a little bit, and maybe I'm getting a bit too brave uh, on being out in public places, but I don't know. I think if you can... A wrestling show is one thing, though, yeah. If you can keep to your own mm. space, though, you know, in bars and restaurants and stuff, I haven't got a huge problem with it right now. It's just the ring in that mm. venue takes up so much space, and rings do generally, don't they? And that's mm. always part of the issue with any kind of venue and, and wrestling is what it's going to be in the future. Mm. Um, I mean, it's... Like, Would you do a JP? Have you you haven't been anywhere yet, have you? You haven't like been out at all. No, I haven't left Oxford. I've mm. walked a fucking loads around it, boy. Mm. Oh yeah. Like, my geography of Oxford is pretty solid at this stage. Mm. But um but at this stage, like no. I, I just don't feel like the only thing I'd be uh, and I suppose it's probably because I saw a bit of the warrior wrestling mm. and it's the fact that I think it's a high school principal who actually is the person who runs that company. Mm. So they use the football field. And they spread people out pretty far and wide. It didn't look like much more than a couple of hundred people, to be honest with you. They still even had a limitation for that. 
but it did make me think that the only way feasible at the minute for for this to be done is outdoors Mm. and whether you're doing stuff under kind of marquees and stuff like that and you know like is that a viable british weather though let's be honest I, i think it's meant to piss it down possibly even at time of recording tonight i'm praying that it does by the way because i feel like i'm just dying from the heat at the minute but that seems like the kind of outdoors option is the only way really where there may be that kind of where and obviously you're wearing masks and the social distancing can be enforced Mm. um that seems like the only but that's just not that's not a feasible solution to anything that's like very much for the for this month how do you feel about hundreds of thousands of bikers at a rally in Sturgis? Do you think like that's Fuck safe? Or... <laughs> <laughs> this being Christian, to be honest, like I had some sympathy for it, like because Jericho started talking about Fozzie again, hasn't he? And it <sighs> sounded like, you know, the the first couple of places he's done gigs, it's been cases where like it's been places where like the the coronavirus cases are in like the less than less than a hundred for the entire area, and you know, obviously. In Florida, there are eight to nine thousand um, cases a day, so you know there's a world of difference there. So I kind of I was like, okay, if people are masked up, if you're trying to get people to stay at the distance, that's that's fine. But then I saw that yeah, he's literally basically doing a road wild, and he's going to be like singing into a crowd of bikers. It was just like, wow, that probably feels like a bad idea. But I don't know. I was a big fan of road wild back in the day. Maybe maybe it's uh, maybe Jericho's just feeling nostalgic. Yeah, I don't think that main event that uh, AEW have been hyping, like, God, when you've you've got that, you know, you're, like, pushing ratings going up, like, putting that main event with Orange Cassidy that they built, like, spent all this time building, and then he's off doing that. If I was big tone, I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be fucking best placed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're doing temperature checks, though, so, you know, it's fine. Um, oh. Yeah, I think, I, I do think at this point there's accepted risk, and, like, we kind of accept... You know, if the testing AWWB and running shows, I can kind of live with it at this point. Fan attended stuff, though, especially you know in America and especially with a bunch of sweaty bikers, mm. I think that's uh, that's probably a step too far, even for me. Especially as well when the kind of there's massive lags in testing in the mm. states. So there's like I think it's up to nine days that people are getting results back. By which point it becomes kind of oh, worthless. Like Twenty four hours here, isn't it? My mate got tested today and he was fine. Yeah. Um... And that's and that's the way that it is, isn't it? That 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 you're able to to kind of have that same day testing. So that's the case. I thought AW were testing them as soon as they get there, but the idea that he'd be doing it's the idea of the events happening hmm. and. I know following on the news, because I've seen sort of like a lot of sort of uh, like it's become a political issue over there because there is a lot of sort of Trump supporters who are kind of hijacking a lot of the Sturgis rally Mm. this year. And they don't believe they believe it's a hoax. Mm. And it's like, you know, it's it's blaming China and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, it's all wrapped up in bullshit conspiracy theories and the rest. Mm. Which he loves, so he probably turned up thinking he can have a bit of that as well at the same time, because he's he's a bit Rogan-esque in that regard, isn't it? It's where libertarianism just becomes fucking stupidity. Mm. It's just like, I'm going to do this. Why? You know, just for shits and giggles. It's like Rogan, if he talked about something like the Iraq war, he'd go, that was wild, wasn't it? And he'd just go, mate, fucking genocide. Like, <laughs> and Jericho's much the same. <laughs> 
Yeah, he always manages to fill up his podcast, doesn't he, with all your conspiracy theorists and things like that. He loves a oh. good. Uh, he loves. He loves a good. Uh, you know, what is it Area Fifty One? Is it like you know all yeah. things like that? Loves all his. Uh, loves all his shit like that. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was. Uh, if he was totally in that camp. Oh yeah, it's got us into this mess with fake news, isn't it? All the con- all like the kind of wacky conspiracy theories. The QAnon one. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's the most bizarre i don't know why i'm talking is this all related to pizzagate as well yeah pizzagate oh it was all pizzagate came about as a result of QAnon, but they changed their stories and then when trump commented on Ghislaine maxwell it kind of blew their conspiracy up because the whole point is he's trying to break a child sex ring that's right is that the the cliff notes of this is that don donald trump is trying to break up an international sex ring donald trump he's gonna let that sit there like for anyone who thinks, no, I think the QAnon stuff's right. That's the centerpiece of it. For me, that's like Scientology and when they start to bring up all that lizard bullshit and the <laughs> volcano. It's just like, oh, I've, I've wasted my time, isn't it? And QAnon is very much like that. Okay. Yeah, conspiracy theories, bollocks. <laughs> I feel educated now, at least. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just a, a rant I've been wanting to get out for ages. <laughs> Uh, well, there'll be plenty of that on this show. Uh, anything else you've been up yeah. to, JP? Anything, anything positive you've been up to? You've been doing anything in the last uh, week or so? Um, DIY, really. I'm, I'm actually on holiday. So I've started to do a bit of DIY, still carrying on the walking, trying to enjoy this oppressive heat at times, but it mm. is quite nice at the same time. Um, and the cricket, again, was spectacular. I won't go on about it, but England, they're absolute... I mean, they're box office. They are, it's, it's Hogan in the 80s, levels of kind of box office with them. Like, I'd actually, I'd say more flair. Good workers, but they're great at giving the other side, like kind of making it a close game as well. It's quite a hard act to nearly lose so often, but then somehow win. So yeah, that was my week, mate. <laughs> I wish I knew something about cricket to add to that. <laughs> it's, any everyone we record, unless Will Cooling's on here, I think there's no way any cricket conversation is ever going to get any momentum no. at this point. But I feel obliged to bring up, and League of Ireland still on as well. That's that's good as well. But again, it's just sh- I'm just shouting into the wind. <laughs> I spent my day today um, putting a. Basically, I've got like you know I've said before in the podcast, I've got a big spreadsheet in work that's got all like all my like my film stats on and all my TV stats on and all that stuff. Uh, you'd be proud of me. Literally today, I set up I set up like a, a special spreadsheet to imp- export all of my data of my six hundred films and uploaded them to Letterboxd. I, I have now joined the twenty first century. That Letterboxd, the uh, it's basically the grapple for films is probably the way I'd, uh, I'd describe <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, I finally moved into the 20th. It literally took me all day to do. And I did it. And it's done. And I had to, I had to consider things like my scale was broken because my scale for movies has always been out of 10. But like with Letterboxd, it's the five-star scale. Like, uh, so, and I was kind of, which might, you might say, oh, well, well, mathematically, if you gave something a nine, that's, that's there for a four and a half, but it doesn't, it, I don't think it quite works. I think, I think I've all, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, I think I'm maybe a harsher grader with films than I am, uh, with wrestling. So I literally went through today and, and, and changed a whole load of star ratings for about 700 different films on an app. Um, sadly it wasn't grapple, but you know, I thought that was good work <laughs> that, uh, that, that Gareth would be impressed by. 
Have, have they got negative ratings? No, and the thing that I love oh. about it... Yeah, I know, yes, imagine that, yeah. <laughs> they also, Gareth, don't have a zero. They have a quarter star as the lowest you can go. Might be something to that, mathematical, I don't know. Who, who, who knows? Who, who knows? I don't know. But it uh, sounds like a good idea, that to me. No negative stars and starting at a 0.25. I think it's a, a day of time well spent there, but no. Were you in work, did you say, when you were doing that? <laughs> I, I cannot comment. I, I, hope you've, I hope you've calculated how much you were paid to do that. <laughs> Let's just say it's been a very quiet period since the, uh, the, the, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I the hell of a time doing it. Do you, do you guys keep anything like that for anything other than wrestling, like film wise or TV wise? Oh. Or is it just is it just grapple, Gareth, for you? Uh, it, it was like it was always untapped with me. Like I've been on untapped for as God with the beer for as God years and years. Like it must be 2012 or something like that. I was quite early on with that, so that was you know probably where the grapple idea came from was was using that, and that got to a that was just one of those where it just became like. I don't know. You just like competing about against yourself to try and drink more and more beer and more and more different beer, and it sort of becomes a bit unhealthy after a uh, after a period of time. So I had to scale back the uh, untapped habit there, which I'm hoping people don't do with uh, wrestling matches from around the world. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, but I think I, I did do I did use Letterbox for a bit, but I don't know. It just didn't kind of catch on with me for for whatever reason. I don't, I, again, I don't. I think I don't think I think because I didn't know anybody else who used it or anything like that that it sort of just felt a bit like kind of i'm just putting these ratings into the ether and kind of so what sort of thing so mm. it, was, it was all a bit kind of like yeah yeah but no i'm not a i'm not a spreadsheet guy never never had a spreadsheet before grapple either from a wrestling point of view so i don't know if that's my gerald rat in a moment or what, i don't know but uh <laughs> but for the old that's a old, good that's a great reference but will for, be for, lost for on people, so many people for people as old as me that's a great reference but um yeah. But uh, but yeah no. Apart from that, no no. I, I watched a film at the weekend, um, The Five Bloods. Have you watched that? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's the uh, the, no, Spike the Spike Lee, Lee film. Lee. Isn't it? Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Three, three and a half on on Letterboxd if I was uh, if I, if I was rating it. But it was a uh, it was just good because I've just finished watching The Wire and it had like Lester Freeman in it and it had um um oh, Clay Davis was in it and stuff. So it was just like a lot, a lot of people that I like and of course he does the line as well sort of thing. So that was a uh, that was all right. Worth a watch. Worth a watch. I would say. Yeah. Good recommendation. Any any beer recommendations for Untapped? I heard you. I saw it on uh, on Twitter on Friday. I was talking about the. Um... The little beer festival sale, and I got a load of beers in. And you, you were going through. Uh, people were asking for WCW themed beers, and you were looking for what was wasn't the one that was like, um, oh, it was like Judy Bagwell on a pole. Is that a real beer on no, tap? There was a, there was a beer called Judy Bagwell, and there was a oh, yeah. car on a pole beer as well. So there was a couple of a uh, couple of random. It's basically like the way people name beer these days. You can type fucking any old shit into there, and you'll come a, come across something that, uh, that that matches up. So uh, so yeah, no, that was uh, that was that was one. But no, I haven't been. Uh, I've, I've been off the beer a bit recently. I don't know if it's this new health kick with all this running and shit mm. like that. But whether it's lockdown Jeff- and just sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to. Is there a Jeff Jarrett beer? <laughs> That's the important question. There probably is. I'll have a look. I I ran off to make a cup of tea. I obviously still have headphones on. Sorry, breaking the fourth wall here a bit. (laughs) And suddenly I heard this Judy Bagwell beer. And and then I was just suddenly thinking, is there a Jarrett beer? He must be on the Jarrett beer. Surely. Who's selling Hussey Gold for fuck's sake? There is a double double J Jeff Jarrett by 
Craft uh, Heads Brewing Company. There you go. It's a, Belg- wow. a, Belgian, a Belgian beer. One check-in. Right. Next time we do a watch-along, <laughs> we're getting a few of them in. I feel like we can get a sponsorship there. Yeah. If they update it as well, can they do a King of the Mountain beer as well at the same <laughs> oh, time? You know there's one that's not even related to Jared. Surely someone's named the beer that already. Just use some of the My World graphics from TNA. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's got what it's got one rating a rating of 3.75 out of five and the person who rated it was called jeff g i think that might be our jeff just trying to cover his tracks a little bit there he's, a, <laughs> he's not he's, he's not going for the double j there and his uh it is a name he just thought I'd, i'll just change one letter in the surname yeah Does, do, do you think of double j when you think of 3.75 though let's be honest I don't know. It's 3.25, maybe? 2.5-3. What's Jeff Jarrett's best match of all time? Like, could you name it? Is oh, it... you're asking now, aren't you? I reckon it's like the um, the memorable like ones that come to mind are like that Raven one from early TNA, um, where they built up for, oh, for weeks yeah. and weeks, but it was just it was more gimmickry than an actual good match. All of his matches were in TNA. There were so many. Like, so, so they the... were all like... Do you all remember that, though? They had a group called the Heel Section of fans who used to sit there. And when Jarrett won, they just sort of pelted him with rubbish. Mm. Uh, just over from this one section, you can see Jeremy Borash run around to try and calm them down as well. And they repeated that ad infinitum, mm. like some, especially to Monty Brown. Sorry, I'm off on TNA now. Well, it happens that I'm sat here on a database full of match ratings. And according <laughs> to this... Um, well, obviously, I haven't got the old TNT stuff on there. See, that's TNA stuff on there. But in your house too, Shawn Michaels versus Jeff say, Jarrett, yeah, four point two five average rating there. Jeff Jarrett against Razor Ramon, Royal Mumble, ninety five, three point five rating. Well, was that the second best? Though no, we've just, we've dipped already. Third best, two point two five stars. The, 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 the average across all his matches on Grapple is. 2.01. Yep. So there you go. You were the high man, JP. <laughs> of course he was Jack Jarrett. I think I was. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did, he I'm did, looking uh, through this at rose-tinted glasses, and I can't even bring myself to three. He had the JJ MMA run, you know, that was fun. The, uh, I suppose, oh. did him and Sid have any good matches at the end of the WCW? I don't think they did. I find Sorry. that hard to believe that that could ever happen. There might be some stuff from USWA. Isn't there what? a... Re- oh, I'm sure there's a... Re- did they have a match with Goldberg on Nitro? Have I made that up? I'm sure he had a decent match with Goldberg. No? You sure about that, man? Yeah, maybe I've, maybe I've dreamed that one. Maybe that's the match of my dreams, Goldberg and Jeff Jarrett. Maybe that's uh, that's more my, uh, my subconscious speaking than anything. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything in AAA he had that was at all good. But then that's AAA. So that kind of really says a lot there. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah, 1999 Nitro, Goldberg versus Jeff Jarrett. Get those Nitros on Grapple, Gareth. Come on, you've got nothing else to do. So I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only your birthday tomorrow, mate. Get to work. <laughs> I might treat myself, yeah. Knock out five years of Nitros for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you know you would, though. That would be a good treat. What about the Founders as well while you're at it? Might as well <laughs> the you do the Thunders as well while you're at it. Yeah, sort that out for the last. If you're going to do a job, Gareth, you might as well do it well. Well, the, the problem is is that I am a completist, so even if this takes me 20 years, it will all be on there at some point. <laughs> yes. There you go. That's a promise, everyone. Tucks <laughs> on the match ratings, isn't it? There you go. Um, I was going to say, you do it for your birthday tomorrow, Gareth. Isn't it exciting? 
Um, yeah, um, Sarah's um, Sarah's booked us for go up to the Lake District for two nights, sort of thing. So like going back up, uh, going back up home to beautiful Cumbria. So yeah, just gonna have a couple of days up there, and like it seems like the place that she's booked, it's it's all like sound in terms of the way they've done it with like COVID and everything like that. So we've had to book a slot where we've got like the whole pool to ourselves and things like that for us for, you know, for a one hour slot in the afternoon and oh, things wow. like that. So this is almost just like going to be perfect. Just like a way, a bit of isolation, get away from the kids for two days as well. <laughs> sort of thing. So that'll, that'll do for me. She'll, uh, she'll sleep forever because the kids aren't there. So I can get up and watch a cheeky bit of wrestling for a few hours while she's, uh, while she's having a, having a nap in the morning. So yeah, get very much looking forward to it. Climb a, climb a fell, go for a walk and all that lovely stuff. Watch some New Japan and some the spreadsheets. Well. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Bit of Noah in the afternoon, do some uh, spreadsheets, get some, uh, get some New Japan on the app. Absolutely. Are you, you going yeah, to leave the app? Are you going to leave the app behind while you're away, or is there going to be no uh, no breaking service? I can't. There's a show tomorrow, isn't there? Isn't there? I think there's a New Japan show tomorrow, so yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be, be you know buying Sarah a drink and saying I just need to like nip off to the bog or something like that and uh, <laughs> scuttling away to. Do some cheeky inputting. There you go. <laughs> See, everyone, he's a dedicated man. That's the work our, uh, our grapple Gareth puts in for you. He also makes it sound like quite a worrying addiction as well. <laughs> this is an intervention, actually, yeah. Sorry, we've got your eyes. Joe's going to appear from the ether in a minute. We're all going to gang up on you. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not again. <laughs> Uh, anywho, I suppose we should talk some uh, actual wrestling news and, uh, and shows from this last week. I don't know where you want to start, to be honest. Like, it feels like uh, we picked a bad time to record, JP, because while we were recording, Shane McMahon started an underground fight club. And more mm. news started to break about Marty Ginetta being a, being a murderer. So I don't even know where to start there, to be honest, as far as like big stories that we missed out on last week. What the fuck? That was a week ago, yeah. That was somehow a week ago, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, by the time people listen to this, there'll be in a, a second episode of Raw, so we're not, uh, we're not the Raw reviewers anyway. We, 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 more, we more just laugh at WWE from afar. But to be honest, as far as something to, to pique my interest, Shane McMahon starting a fight club felt like something that I'd... Uh, that would be right up my street. Unfortunately, in execution, uh, it appears to be the literal opposite of uh, what, I, what I'd want to watch on a, on a Monday night. Uh, but still, you know, they're trying something new. Can you say that? I don't know. What the fuck? What is going on over there? I'm so glad we're not a Raw podcast. WCW also used to try a lot of new stuff. Speaking and of the Jeff vast majority of that, yeah, And the vast majority of that stuff was absolute shite as well. And this is what this becomes. Because I've, I've tried watching it. Like I've watched the clips on YouTube, and it's why does this <laughs> exist exactly? Why are they having an underground fight club during a pandemic? What is the need for this? And it's like they watched Fight Club, and of all the things that are going on in that film about anti consumerism, toxic masculinity, what they took from it is. Let's have a darkened underground room and we'll have a kind of music playing, but it'll be nowhere on the level of what the Dust Brothers have did in Fight Club as well. It's the fucking worst. It's it, but it's it's MMA, it's fake MMA, but as soon as there's any hits, because it's fake, they have to cut. So you actually lose what is the big stuff of MMA, which I get why people don't like it. When you see a knockout, 
you kind of want to see the knockout. You don't want to see the blokes back. But because, I don't know, Kevin Dunn, who I can only assume is masturbating whilst editing, because that's the only explanation for that, the amount of cuts that are going on there, is just cut, 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 cut. So it's, it, it's just awful. And it's the dancers. Like, what I was reminded by, and I think I brought this up before, is, is Charlie Brooker's TV Go Home book, The Fake TV Listings Guide. And there's a film described in it, and it's called Tough As Fuck. And it's written by two 14-year-old boys. And the, and the film star is called John Fuck. And this is what it reminded me of. That level of like a couple of 14-year-old boys. You'd see it, wouldn't you? I'll have, to, I'll have to get you a shot for the screen image. It's so bad. It is. It's so bad. And it's, and like, it just is Shane going, whoa, wow. It's, it's Davo Cato. I don't even know if that's his name. <clears throat> I, I thought it was that Babatundi guy. And he just started doing the punches. He cuts around. Shane goes, whoa. And they just ring a bell. Like, and that's just all it is. And I mean, I've known for a long time they don't like professional wrestling. But here you're just kind of overtly saying, I, I, we're just not going to do wrestling at this mm. stage. I'm, what are your thoughts on this absolute shite? Sure. I mean, to be honest, I was just getting wound up even before it started last week when it just like, clearly this whole WWE strategy of just like, let's just pump out like ridiculousness on Twitter and rumors and just do things a bit differently just to try and actually get somebody talking about raw because like, you know, in a normal raw, no one's even talking about the program at all. Like on, you know, if you go on your timeline and things like that, it's just, it's just dead. And then like, and then last week it was like, there was feeding the stuff out about Shane McMahon's fight club and then feeding the stuff out about some faction and then feeding something else about, I can't remember. There was a third thing, and I was just reading it like, "Stop talking about this, people!" Kind of thing. Stop getting excited about it because it's just like, it's an eye for an eye. It's the greatest match ever. It's just yeah. pumping out this stupid shit to just get people mad and annoyed and just talking about stuff on, on on Twitter, and then ultimately they're they're not going to de- like deliver on it. And mm. it's just this same bullshit that's like. Let's just put something out there that's going to maybe spike a number for one week and then we'll like pat ourselves on the back and then we can just like forget about and move on and move on to the next ridiculous thing that we can get social media points for and maybe just like spike a rating or something like that. Again, it just all comes back to this no long-term thinking. And as JP says, it's just like pure WCW. And then when I watched the YouTube clips of it, I was just like... Like why? What? What is this? Your all their documentaries, like from the Raw period and things like that, just mocking WCW at the end. And then when you've recently watched things like Dark Side of the Ring about the the Brawl for All episode and things yeah. like that and stuff, and just everyone just openly mocking that and like haha Vince Russo and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, this kind of bollocks is going on on your own product like right now. And just like, I don't know, is it like? And then, and then they sit and look at themselves and wonder why nobody watches it anymore. Yeah, that's it. I think and that's the thing as well. Like like you say, it got that bit of interest. It's got even us talking about it. It probably popped the number that first week. I reckon by the time this episode comes out tomorrow, well, it'll be later on in the day, but like there'll be... I don't think that 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 mini pop of the of the raw rating lasts because yeah you get people's attention like Seth Rollins did that interview didn't he um, the last couple of days where he was saying about you know that's what we're trying to do we're trying to you know wrestling fans haven't got any patience but we're trying to reach out we're trying to get attention we're trying to get TMZ headlines with like eyeballs popping out and shit it's like yeah you get that and then no one comes back because it's still fucking crap like 
Yeah, I watched. Why? Oh, what was that, Jamie? I was going to say, but why would we show patience? They've shown. Let it play out, Jamie. They, they don't <laughs> deserve the audience to show patience for them. No. Because they've been so bad, like, for the guts of a decade. Like, really is. It's been, it's been awful for a very, very long time. Why be patient? Why? They have done nothing to deserve anyone's kind of loyalty. And yeah, this is just you mentioned it's wcw level stuff mm. and what's mad and i think it's even worse than wcw because that like what gareth said that there's all the history you can go back to from it and they've learned nothing from it so all of this revisionist history that they've re- written themselves it's like they've actually forgotten the history that they've kind of made up <laughs> about wcw and why it's bad yeah and and also what i found hilarious is they lost the 50-plus viewers, that demo. <laughs> now, they did get a very small spike, apparently, in the 18-34s, who would have been probably watching for a laugh, saying this is shit, and then watching Derek Lewis on UFC actually knock someone out. Like, And like, it, it, it's they would have popped a rating for a week. But I can see this just kind of... This feels like part of the free-fall period. Yeah, that, that's what they don't they don't realize. I, d- I don't think they maybe they do realize and they just don't care. But I don't think that I, I almost think like they don't realize that people who are watching it are watching it to laugh at it and say how bad it is. And maybe that's what they I don't know. Maybe at least that means hashtag raw is trending worldwide or something like that. And that's something that they can like put in a report that goes to investors or something like that. Look how many million tweets we had about our product or something like that on this on this particular week or something like that can go in a nice chart or something like that. But they don't realize, I don't think, the long-term effects that it is just turning mm. away more and more people. And okay, you might get these little spikes where there's that element of intrigue of oh, like let's see if this works or let's laugh at how crap this is going to be but you know the it's it's, it's just all add into that drow- mm-hmm. downward trend of people just going they're not investing any thought or thinking into this product there's nothing serious or credible about it or anything like that that we should give any like actual you know genuine thought to so 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 why should we bother watching anymore and that's clearly what's happening because the, the numbers are dropping like a fucking stone if you, you know apart from the odd spike here and there if you if you if you put Shane McMahon in a segment, and I'm only watching the YouTube clips, that kind of tells you like uh, how <laughs> how good you double because Shane does pop ratings when he comes back. Like when, it, when every time he returns, I have Melton talk about that. They, there'll be a little Shane McMahon bump, um, and then people just just leave again. It's probably people like us um, who are tuning in out of that pure curiosity and then leaving again, like. Well, well, there's nothing like a 50-year-old man to, you know, get <laughs> those 18 to 34-year-olds interested, is there? He's still the young, cool man, though, you know what I mean? He wears trainees with a suit, he's, uh, he grabs that younger audience to Shane. Yeah, and I, I, I literally watched, like, the YouTube clips, and then I ended up watching the, the Peanut Butter Falcon instead. Like, this was my plan last night, to, to watch a bit of Butter Roar Underground's. And I watched it and I said, good film, Shia LaBeouf. It's a wrestling theme film. Mm. Jake the Snake and Mick Foley are in it playing wrestlers. So it was fine, you know. It's a, Okay. I gave it a three stars on Letterboxd if uh, anyone's interested. The heartwarming story of, uh, of Shia LaBeouf making a, making a young friend. Uh, but that was best than Raw. I'd rather <laughs> you made that. it sound bad by just yeah. saying that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. It's a good film. It's a good film. Promise. And, uh, Jake the Snake's very... Unbelievably, Jake the Snake's really believable as like a like a, a rundown hillbilly ex wrestler. Um, yeah, who, who thought? Hey, he's a, he's a good. He's got range. 
he has, he has. Yeah, Foley's not great, but he's good. Um, but yeah, again, raw like uh, unless again we get we get made fools of lads and this we drop this show in the morning and uh, raw have had like a have had a killer underground segment like Tim Thatcher's come in and murdered every man in the ring and they've turned it into a positive. Um, no, I can't see that happen. I think we're going to be <laughs> proven right on that. Um, what well, are it's the- all right because you. You've oh, got what? aces and eights coming in, haven't you? <laughs> oh, the fucking um, what are they got? The Antifa children, where they all look about four oh, foot tall. Oh yeah, yeah. That'll you can me. clearly see where this is going, <laughs> and you can see the hand of Vince in this, can't you? Hmm. Antifa protesters, who, sorry, they they look as believable as the original Dark Order when they first started doing the angle in AEW. That's how scary they look. Who could it possibly be? And who gives a shit at this stage? Because if it was Bob Sapp, I'd probably watch for a laugh. (laughs) But it's not Bob Sapp, is it? It's not going to be like some absolutely mental idea of someone to bring in. Sid, you mentioned him earlier. Why not? What if it's Shia LaBeouf? If you're going to go full end of WCW, you've got to get Sid in for a long for the ride, don't you? (laughs) There's still money in that. He can still go. He looked in good shape when I saw him at full of a wrestling last year. You know, it's possible. Better shape than Matt Jannetty at the front. I love the wrestling. Oh, oh, fucking hell, yeah. yeah if what anyone a transition was, that was. If anyone was shocked by Marty Jannetty uh, confessing to a murderer, you've not been fo- following Marty Jannetty these last few years. Yeah, he was a he was a state in Liverpool last year. He was a state when he got in the ring when he was trying to cut a promo slash do a Q&A slash hit on women in the front row, and I say women, I'm using that word loosely, I'm not entirely sure, uh, the age of the people that he was uh, drunkenly trying to uh, trying to chat up from a distance. He's a fucking mess of a human being, who's Marty Giannetti. Like, there's no, there's no way, by the way, like, the fact that there's an actual police investigation into Marty Giannetti's bullshit on Facebook... It's just like the biggest. I love it. The police said something like in the statement, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're uh, we've got some real crimes to deal with right now, but eventually we will we will look into this." It's like nothing about the story makes sense. It's Marty Gennetti, like you know what I mean. It's like just to just let's all just move on. To be honest, because yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I'm not saying he's not he's not capable of killing a man, but. I don't really believe Marty. <laughs> when Marty Gennetti says he killed a man, I think you've got to take that with a pinch of salt. Meanwhile, there's probably a body just bobbing up and down in the Mersey around the back of that hotel from this time <laughs> last year or something like that. <laughs> a couple of guests gone missing. Yeah, he's, uh... Uh, I will always remember your messaging you during this. I think me and Joe were messaging um, you guys while this was all sort of going on. And one of the, one of the things that stood back was just Benno saying, Marty Gennetti is a bad man. Yes. He's a bad man. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he kind of, yeah. He, he sounded like someone. First of all, why he'd bring him over to the UK, I don't know. How he got I, in I, the I country for one? It's an accident. How he got on a plane? <laughs> yeah, I all of these kind of as well. <laughs> how he turned up to the airport? Like honestly, to God, he is. But it is so bleak, isn't it? With him, mm. like everything is just like he, he, he's a warning story. Mm. Is what he is, isn't he? He's the kind of nightmare story of what you would tell younger wrestlers not to be like and look at him here. Um, yeah. 
wonder if he's he'll still manage to wangle his way on some fucking indie shows though won't he let's be honest that's all he's thinking he's thinking I'll draw I'll drum up some controversy confess the murder of a man when I was 13 that'll get me some bookings have, that'll sort of have some guy dressed up like a swamp monster run do a run in on his match <laughs> so it can set up some sort of angle between the, <laughs> the two the Shikara swamp monster bring, oh no maybe not Shikara uh, you could <laughs> a swamp monster though yeah Couple of problematic yeah. things with that angle, I think, JP. You might need to bring back your TW stream. <laughs> We've had too many discussions about that, about what to do for that. There's plans, let's just say that. Yeah. Right. Interesting plans. There you go. Uh, on a more serious note, I know that a couple of news stories. Obviously, uh, you weren't here, Gareth, but we did want to talk a little bit about. I know you're a big fan of Rollerball Rocco growing up, and yeah, unfortunately, you know, he passed uh, last week and. This week, uh, Kamala passed as well. The age of seventy is he Kamala? Like that, mm. I suppose shouldn't be a, a a huge surprise, you know. But you know, a, a big news story today as well, and uh, yeah, and uh, another sad one there. Any uh, any memories of those two? Um, I don't know if you want to get Kamala out the way first, JP. Uh, <laughs> seen a lot of people. A lot of people. I've got. Nothing a lot of people. To add about I saw Kamala, it. Man. I saw it put on Twitter before. I can't remember reporting, but it said like people are literally like. Paper and over huge chasms in the rocks here to talk about Kamala as this this great figure in wrestling. Like it was a horrifically racist, horrible character, right? I'm not wrong yeah. on that. I mean yeah. he was good in the role. He drew money with Hogan, he was entertaining, he had a decent longish career. It's sad that, you know, the the stuff that plagued him with his health and his later life and you know that he that he now that he's now died, but I don't know. If we can paper over that one. That's a that's a, that's, a, that's a character. That's a, speaking of your stream. That's a that's a bad one. <laughs> oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's up there with Saba Simba. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, the Tony Atlas one. Mm. Like that's the kind of stuff that you look on with absolute horror. And yeah, Kamala, even as a little kid, and this is growing up around the sort of like in the eighty late eighties, you just sort of looking going. That seems massively racist. What's mm. going on? And I agree. He fulfilled the role in terms of his wrestling character of just being the monster heel who would come into a territory, work an angle, and then kind of leave and move around, wasn't he? And that's what he was there. He was there to be fed to Hogan, and I don't think he had any expect. He seemed like he was kind of happy with that. But the character itself, Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. It's, it's not something I'm nostalgic about. I don't quite understand that. And that's not, a, you know, it's nothing against, is it James Harris himself? But fuck me. And mm. good matches, I can't remember any. I'm sorry, it sounds like I'm being terrible about him now, now he's died. But yeah, can you remember any good matches? I remember some chops. He, he was never going to be the poster boy for Grappa. I think his average would be worse than, uh, than Jared. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't really the point, though, was it? He was the monster of the week that had, like, sell some tickets to a live show with, uh, like, a Hogan thing or, like, you know, as a kid that you'd be potentially scared of or you'd want to see him take on The Undertaker or something like that. That's the, that's the guy he was, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was... Didn't he, did he come in with Lawler, I think? And he was just seems like it's pure Memphis kind of thing for that, yeah. that storyline. And it's been... 70s or whatever that's that type of that type of character and i think even you know even god 
Christ knows how old I'd be, but even when he came back, that like must have been like his third run when he had all the Undertaker stuff. It just seemed so dated. It just seemed so out of place. And just again, that's going back 20 years or 20 years or more kind of thing. And it just, you know, it was just like not of his time. Obviously, like, you know, it, it was it was good at what he did and what he achieved back in the day and things like that in sort of, you know, different times in Memphis at, the, at, the, at that time period. And obviously, like, you know, very, very sad that he's passed. But it, yeah, I think there is that kind of like, big stain over it really that just sort of seems to just get washed over really when uh when when obviously uh you know obviously he's died and, and you know people choose not to focus on that again sad one but yeah it's uh one of the more problematic characters in wrestling history um wonder what he would have done with maybe like a in a different time with a different act um but you know he, he made it work for a what it was worth and there were plenty of uh, imitators over the years as well so that uh, i suppose there's that too um but yeah i mean rollerball rocco did want to mention that we talked a little bit about him last week gareth you i uh, saw you put that you were uh, a big fan of him growing up we're not trying to wage you here mate i know it's your birthday tomorrow but you know, <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you, you're probably the man to talk rollerball rocco uh, no offense to a bit before my time Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm 42 tomorrow, so, you know, I've got a few more miles on the clock. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. I've got one, I've got only got, I've got one week more on the clock than JP, unfortunately, he just sneaks <laughs> in one week under me there, but uh, thank God for Jeff Ogden, that's what I always think. Uh, I think my, my little, Keeps us all young. Uh, little, Little pool of wrestling fans. So at least I always know I'm the second oldest. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, like, when I think of Growing up, obviously, you know, I, th- I think I was watching World of Sport from the age of probably five, something like that. But, you know, Rollerball Rocco was was the, always, as a kid, if you ask me, who's your favorite wrestler, I would always say uh, Rollerball Rocco. And it's it's quite interesting, like, as I kind of look back over the last week and just read up more and things like that, I sort of, I didn't really realize that he, he wasn't actually, you know, he wasn't actually on TV until sort of 87, 88. It, it'd been on in the late 70s early 80s but then he'd left and uh, left joint promotions went to all-star and it wasn't until all-star got a slice of the tv share a bit later on that he actually came back and he was actually seen on itv so it was it probably was like at the probably more when i was like eight nine that he it, it was uh, it was there and there's a fantastic um website itv.co.uk which breaks down every single match that was on shown on world of sport like each week we can week in week out so you can go back and and check those out and, and again i was surprised to find that he was only like he was only actually on you know 10 times after about 1982 and it, i think it just shows kind of how much i don't know it was almost like testament to me to how much he the impact he made on me as a kid and like he just like that he stuck in my in, in my head that he'd that he'd actually been been there that time i'm sure i probably had a video recorder by that time there's certain matches i watched again and again but i mean to, to me just stood out like totally different to everything else that that was that was on there he, he looked like a genuine star to me when he, he, he came out you know he, he had the sort of the all-in-one bodysuit with the, the stars and stripes he had the glove the headband he was always giving it loads to the crowd he just i don't know he worked really fast it was like really hard hitting and he just he just looked like somebody from another planet to me when i was kind of used to, you know, your Cyanide Sig Coopers and your Alan Kilbys and your Mal Sanders and all these kind of just quite plain, plain 
you know, plain generic wrestlers who, you know, you know with a little bit of something, he, he, he looked, he, he looked something that for like nine year old me just like totally came from a, another, another planet. And, you know, I think it was, it was interesting as I've gone back and read more and I've been watching a few of his matches again this week and things like that. And it just, I don't know, it kind of, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I was some kind of like work rate technical wrestling mark at the age of eight or nine or something like that. But there was clearly something there that had like kind of a mm. long lasting impression yeah. on me and the, the way that he worked and watching these matches again this week, like so fast, so smooth, so realistic, so hard hitting, like the heel work that he was doing, doing real genuine sneaky stuff behind the ref's back, hitting people after the bell, just doing little things where like, it, you know everything I like about wrestling now, like aggression, good storytelling, making it look realistic in the ring, and all. It was everything that he everything that he did just sort of really just sort of fell into that fell into that path really. And I think clearly subconsciously it's something that I've taken on in my wrestling wrestling fandom. You know, I, I, I didn't give a shit about Daddy or Haystacks or anything like that when I was a, when I was a kid. But seeing somebody like that was was fantastic. And I was even though you know again I'm not going to say I've. I, I sat there and followed his career. It's not like over the last 20 years I've gone back and watched all like his, his work in Japan or revisited the world of sports stuff, dead loads and things like that. But I think just as kind of one of those, I don't know, nostalgia things, that thing taken out, you know, my, my very first favorite wrestler, like uh, passing away. I, I genuinely got it last week. You know, it was a, it sort of chucked me up. But what I would say is I've absolutely loved watching the matches that I've, I've went back and watched this week. And, I know I shared in our group chat that, mm. you know, the, the Fuji Yamada, the Jushin Liger match from 1987, which, like, I swear to God, like, I've watched that a couple of times this week. That stands up from 1987 against anything I've watched in the, in the, the last half year comfortably. You know, I think the, 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 the quality of what's, what's there in that match, the, the spots, the speed, everything like that, like, you know, I'd, I'd say anybody listening to this, just go on YouTube and just just search it out from '97 and, and watch it because I think some people have the the wrong idea of world of sport as well. Some people think it's all comedy spots or it's just pure chain wrestling or it's your you know your your boring boring person in plain trunks or your your fat bastards like Daddy doing nothing and things like that. But this is genuinely ahead of its time and you know really shaping what some of the best wrestling that you'd that you'd watch today is all based on and you know i think um yeah i can't can't recommend it enough yeah i completely agree that was that match was great um i'd have watched of that today and i ended up watching another one actually which was the rollable rocco dynamite kid mm. match that they had as well um which was only the round system i think makes it interesting and kent walton as well you realize just how good a commentator he is and Jesus Liger was absolutely jacked back then, wasn't he? Oh. And it's it's a great match because, like you say, it's there's no fat on it because even when they're working holds on the ground, Rocco keeps you interested because he's either interacting with the audience, he's either working the hold itself, or the other wrestler is sort of transitioning out of it. And he does that good combination of sort of being able to work the chain wrestling, but also being able to do spots, pace out where those spots should be as well. So it wasn't like it didn't never felt like overkill watching either of those matches. And I, and I don't know if you saw it, Gareth, but the match against Dynamite Kid, I'd highly recommend as well. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree. He was he was someone who stood out for me um, 
because it was kind of like he was one of the two that I liked seeing was him and Fit Finley. Um, and it was Fit Finley because my dad liked Fit Finley because he was Irish. <laughs> and I know obviously it helped that he was actually really good as well. But they were the kind of things about world of sport that in you forget this at the time when you're watching it. But like they were the things that would keep you watching was they'd have this kind of one match that would be very different from anything else and look spectacular. But you're not quite sure why it's spectacular. And in fact, you realize that it's actually, you know, they're working that crowd. And my God, that crowd is heated. Uh, Catford, it was, which I've been to once. And I've got no nothing memorable to say about Catford at all. Um, <laughs> is that the Lager match? Because that's the one I watched. Is that yeah, from yeah, that's that's from Catford. Well, there you go. They, they 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 say there, and you know the crowd were like, yeah, oh, they, they were absolutely it? electric as well. Yeah. And also on a note on the ITV website, I think it might be friend of the show Joel who does that for ITV, mm-hmm. who's kind of going through and doing the archiving mm-hmm. stuff as well. Um, so, like, he's in good hands. He'd be someone who'd be taking a real interest in it as well and kind of kind of going through it. And it's made me think of, like, quite happily going back and watching a few of these kind of old world of sport matches. There's been a few over the last year in particular that I've seen that have really have stood up. And maybe we malign it because of Daddy and Haystacks, like you say, Gareth. Yeah, I, but, and, and I do, because like, on, on BWE, we did the... Um... The Owen Hart Marty Jones match, and like that mm. was kind of a running joke where James is like, "You're gonna hate this bono, you're gonna hate this bono, you're gonna hate this bono," and it's probably because like, yeah, I'm not into you know some of the technical stuff. I'm not really into the rounds format. It's just not something I grew up with. Again, I'm not, mm. I'm not that much younger than you guys. It's just not something I watched when I was a kid. Um, but watching that Marty Jones Owen Hart match and then watching this today, it's like, you know, obviously there's you know. If you were giving it star ratings, you'd probably still go what three and a half, maybe four. I don't know. Maybe if you if you take it back to the day, mm. maybe maybe you give it more than that. But yeah, it, it's kind of made me go okay. I don't. I think because uh, I don't know on site. I think I just decided one day I hated the world of sports. That maybe it was that a uh, that terrible <laughs> match at um, international showdown where the. Uh, yeah, it was just it was an awful like everyone going to the bar kind of match that kind of put 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 it off me. Used to be on like the wrestling channel, I'd be like, ah, this is this is the boring old stuff. This is this isn't like the the, the cool wrestler that I'm into. But like this, honestly, again, blew me mind. Similar to that Owen Hart match did as well as like you can see the influence. You can see like uh, that there's clearly wrestlers down the line. Probably not even British wrestlers, but like. Japanese wrestlers and wrestlers around the world who are influenced by you know these style of matches and influenced by a by a rollerball Rocco and yeah you kind of saw that as well with a lot of the the tributes that came out to him um, over the last week or so. And that match, like it's nineteen eighty seven, and it's the afternoon on ITV, and like <laughs> like the dive over the top rope, you know, like yeah, great. you know, you know, or you know, awesome tombstone pile driver that the. the um, uh, Rocco puts on a scorpion deathlock, and it's, it's probably That's the right, best, yeah. most realistic scorpion deathlock I've ever seen in my life. You know, it was, it was the, you know, the the, the patience that he, he put into like applying the hold, and then like actually looking like he had it synced in deep and things like that. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And like you're saying there about like star ratings, like. God, it was, it's a comfortable four for me. Like it was, you know, I think that that's almost like baseline kind of thing. I've watched it twice this week. I think I'm <laughs> probably going to watch it again. Like I, 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 I was just sort of 
blown away going back to it and thinking, God, this is what I was watching when I was like nine years old. So, you, you know, this this level. And like I say that, I mean, you re- refer to that website, JP. It's ievwrestling.co.uk. And it's what's great about it is, is as well as listing all the matches, it's got the YouTube links underneath. So you can, oh, literally, watch, you can literally watch all of the, you know, where people have filled it in from when it was on the wrestling channel and things like that. So you can, you know, you can pick and choose and you can, you can just go through and, and, and see some of those. Don't, don't go to itvwrestling.com because our mate Steve Flutter brought that up <laughs> directly to Preston City Wrestling. I love that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ever, ever, the, ever, the, ever the worker, ever the carny. Good, good, good work, oh. Flutter there on that one. So yeah, remember it's a, uh, it's a .co.uk. Yeah, you've got, I think he bought that the week World of Sport got announced, didn't he? Uh, the reboot on, uh, on ITV. Uh, but yeah, there you go, Gareth. Another job for you to uh, to add to grapple on your birthday. Just the whole catalogue of world of sports. So if you can get uh, get that sort of out, will uh, that be sound? <laughs> Select matches, maybe at some point. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's an audience out there. It used to be it used to be the one, didn't it? That was the thing when the when the wrestling channel was going under. They'd still put loads of world of mm-hmm. sports on because it'd still draw a rating from your dad and your granddad, your uncle who stumble across it uh, like uh, channel surf and even to the point where when men when uh, when it ended and men and motors were just showing it randomly because again it just it's just something that grabs those old viewers doesn't it there's still there's still that audience there for uh, for this stuff so you know they're out there men and motors <laughs> <laughs> what right. sport. how many times has men and motors come up on this podcast i feel like it's come up a lot considering yeah. what it was as a TV channel. Yeah. For anyone who's not British, it was be- it was what it sounds like. It was a TV channel directed towards men that showed a lot of cars, but also random wrestling and random yeah. sports and, like, babe station type stuff. Of lo- loaded TV <laughs> with the kind of closest thing to it. It was, it was kind of the grapple spotlight of it today. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, yeah. Oh, yeah, if we, if we ran a channel, like, I feel like it'd be very similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, rest in peace, uh, Rollerball Rojo, yeah. Um, (laughs) And Kamala, sorry. (laughs) Moving on. And to be honest, to less fun things. Um, One other news story. We've got a hit because it's kind of broken as we are um, pretty much recording tonight. Um, It's come out, uh, RevPro uh, are, in fact, after lots of rumour out there about them running shows, they do have shows in the can. um, And they're going to be doing a pay-per-view on Fight TV. Yeah, can't say I'm hugely surprised. It's SummerSlam weekend um, on the Sunday. The, the idea is that they're going to be doing, you know, mini epic encounter type shows. This one headlined by Giselle Shaw and Jamie Hayter, who uh, have got pride of place on the uh, on the poster. But I think the big story um, is the fact that, that, one, this show is taking place, um, you know, from a coronavirus point of view, RevPro said they are. They've taken precautions. They say they've uh, they've, they've had the wrestlers uh, hold up in a hotel, um, which I'd love to know the detail in. Were they all just like in a in the local travel lodge or something? Like I don't really understand how that works. Um, they're taking proper precautions. There are obviously no fans in the building, um, so I suppose that's good from that point of view. But the other, you know, headline of this story is the fact that yeah, on the cards uh, they got uh, Michael Oku teaming up with. Will Ospreay to take on RKJ and, uh, and Kyle Fletcher. Ospreay being on the poster um, has definitely caused uh, a somewhat roar, I think, on, on Twitter. You're kind of getting the opposite response uh, if you follow any of the RevPro social channels on, on Facebook. Um, but overall, like I, I can't say I'm shocked. 
Um, again, I understand if no one got through that four and a half hour interview that, that Quilden did with Will. But he kind of laid out there, you know, what his plans were with Will and Oku and that, you know, for him, the, the Osprey story was a bit greyer than maybe some may see um i said at the time when we uh when we talked about that podcast that you know while i don't agree with him i can kind of see his point of view i think the big mistake here though is like i mean it's too soon like it's just too soon so i just feel like from a pr point of view i don't know if i'd have osprey on, on a show this soon but if you were gonna do it i think the biggest pr blunder and the biggest thing that they've really still not done i personally you know, I know it's not a popular opinion, but I kind of a, not applaud, but I'm glad Quilden put himself out there and was willing to talk. I think that's more than mm. you can say for a lot of promoters in this country who for ducked and yeah. ran. I know a lot of people don't share that point of view and don't think he should have been talking at all, but that's just me. But the one thing that, you know, one of the big things that he didn't follow that up with, and he said on the interview with Will he was going to do, was put together some kind of, you know, code of conduct and have various, you know, safeguarding measures and have... You know, uh, you know, a dignity your work policy, that type of stuff. He said that was coming. I feel like that's stuff that you need to hammer out. And it's all well and good, you know, me listening to a four and a half hour podcast and getting a, a good handle personally on what I think he, what it sounds like he's doing with a, with a lot of these individual cases and these individual wrestlers. But to go out and announce shows on your website before you've put any of that stuff up, I just feel like that was just an an obvious thing to do which whichever side of the story you're on um and yeah i can't say i'm surprised i can't say i'm surprised the shows are running i kind of get it with them being a full-time promotion and it being their only income source i I can't say i'm surprised osprey's on the show based on what quilden said about his you know interpretation of the osprey story um but i am surprised that they've you know they've done this now rather than maybe reading the room a little bit and yeah getting some of those I's dotted and, uh, and T's crossed and, and getting, you know, some of that important work done first. Um, I don't know what you guys think on that. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, because like you say, he's a full-time promoter. Mm. So him running a show and a no-fan show had been something that was kind of teased before. And so I don't, like, it didn't come as any kind of surprise to me at all. And like you say, Osprey, as a, you know, as a result of what he said when he was um, on the podcast um, for PW Torch, like none of these things are surprising. And then it comes, it really does come back to, right. Well, what do you do as fans then in this case, if you don't agree with them, this is where you have your right as a consumer, not to purchase, not to support them. And that's the way you make the choice with it. Mm. I would like to say, and it's like I get the impression that as a result to some of the feedback he got, particularly on Twitter, he's not going to engage with that really as a social media platform other than to put out kind of what would be quite generic statements and the fact that cards are taking place, that he's not going to engage with that. The lack of transparency is terrible. Yeah, it is. It is. It's absolutely terrible. And it's really inexcusable. And we're talking from two perspectives here. We're talking, obviously, as things as a result of speaking out, dignity at work, safeguarding. Um, but also we're talking about COVID. And we're talking about the restrictions on that. And it feels like it's too soon for that stage at the moment. And 
it's hard to know what appetite there is to see British wrestling at this point in time, certainly from the kind of hardcore fan base. But then I think once we travel outside of that and outside of the bubble and you get onto kind of Facebook, it's a very different kind of world. And it's a very different level of engagement as well. And the fact it's on fight, and this is going to, I don't want it to sound like a, a complete distraction from it. In other times, not having either speaking out be, um, or uh, COVID, that would have been an absolutely enormous deal. Them being on fight, a worldwide audience. I figured Osprey was on there because this is a worldwide audience and it'll be the first time that Will Osprey has wrestled since, like, kind of since lockdown. So that's something that's going to appeal to worldwide fans. And it's looking beyond that kind of British fan base, really. And I think it's, it's you know, with this, I just don't think he's going to engage with it. And then it comes down to the personal choice that we have. Something I will always maintain is that we do always have this option with all of these companies, like New Japan, like I don't think New Japan are going to do anything. And if there's an expectation that they will, that's not going to be the case. So do you make the connection that is at that point, are we cutting the cord on that? Are we going to, um, when we hit WWE, because obviously there's COVID, but then there's also people like Matt, you know, uh, people mm. like Matt Riddle. Yeah. Um, and like, are you know, going to need to cut the cord on that. You're talking about VOD libraries, which are a big part of why people subscribe to on-demand services to be able to go back and watch classic cards. Are you going to erase that, even though that may be, you know, are all companies going to go through and do that? Are they in the process of doing that? And I will come down to with this, and it's 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 like I'm not in agreement with this show happening. It's not something that um, I have any desire to pay for that's a kind of general thing i've got with all british companies at the moment mm. but i do not want in all of this to be forgotten about the role of promotions like progress fight club pro and icw which are much more centered around the majority of stories and speaking out and it feels like and none of their owners have kind of spoken publicly about this and that's what I would say is Andy Quilden has at least done that. That's mm. a fuckload more. And I've seen policy documents, but when it comes to a progress, how does NXT UK come into it and think of the think. people who are signed for that? That is not something that has been answered at all. And like when it comes to fight, uh, fight club pro and I, I see people say, you know, various things about rev pro. And I think about Fight Club Pro and it's just like, you're shitting me, right? Like, seriously, it's, it's like Progress, ICW and Fight, and Fight Club Pro. They're not three promotions that get forgotten about this because they haven't said anything. And it's easy to be angry at the person who puts himself out there. That's an easy thing to do. A much more difficult thing are the people who aren't going to be out there and what's happening there. And that's the stuff that, Unfortunately, it's where the noise follows the direction of this and then these other things get forgotten. And it's at those points I become incredibly downbeat about where things are going. Mm. And yeah, and we made a decision on this podcast not to talk about individual cases um, for, for what um, is, you know, based for on us. Feedback. Based on feedback. Yep. 
Um, absolutely. And, and I think that's these are the reasons why I personally feel very down about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, I mean, from from my point of view, it's I almost feel like RevPro is just constantly just digging themselves deeper and deeper. And like, so, yeah. I think I think last time I was on the podcast, like I made the point about, you know, they move quickly. They took the title off David Starr, at the, you know, at the, at the time that he, he, they removed Andy Boy Simmons from the training school. And yeah. it looked like bit. it looked like there was action happening. There was, you know, things going on there. And then then it sort of became a bit more negative as, as Andy Golden came out there and spoke about certain issues and things like that. And, and I mean, seeing this today was, to me, I was just like, I mean, you said the line there, Benno, like read the room sort of thing. Mm. But like, to me, it just smacks of just money first kind of thing, money before anything else sort of thing at the, at the, at the end of the day. And, and I know like you're picking up on things there like progress, for example, JP, mm. last time I was on the, on the, the the show, I think one of the things I was talking about was I just wanted the leading promotions in Britain to have a very clear, defined policy, ideology, etc., that they were going to lay out that we can hold them accountable mm. to in the future that demonstrates that they are taking the right steps, they're thinking about certain things. And for as much grief as I saw Progress get online for doing that, they've at least done that. They went... Yeah quiet they sat back they're not they, they i know there's been the, the the change there they've detailed out you know their their policy around a lot of different factors which relates to the business side of things the wrestlers the fans the expectations and things like that so now what we've got with progress is within one document there we've got this nice thing that we can hold them accountable to and we can turn around and go you said you were going to do this 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 and you haven't done this this and this and and now it appears to me like there's a channel there that if they don't deliver on what they've said they're going to do to try and improve. We can hold them accountable to it. And there's actually lines of communication that you can use to, to, to actually hold them accountable. And the, the wrestlers can do that themselves or the fans can do it, etc. What I feel like here with, with RevPro is there's some initial actions been made and it's kind of almost been say a few words and step back. And the first sign of, Ospreys in the country, we can get something on fight here, we can make a bit of cash, you know, and it's, you know, let's, let's, let's get it out there and let's just, let, let's put a show on, let's generate some revenue. Before we've even, before we've even given anybody a reason to invest in our product at all by, you know, showing that they've, they've definitively acted on everything that needs to happen as a result of, 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 of speaking out and then mm. to put this card together or to put that match together yeah I, I'm, I, I, my, my jaw hit the floor i was thinking like it, it was like could, could you think of a worse match to put at this time to try and promote this event as you're trying to get yourself back on track like it, 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 it's it's to, to me it's you know you, you want to get behind the promotions that are doing the right thing and help sustain the scene and help build the scene so that it all doesn't fall to shit on the back of everything that's the, that, that's happened here. But again, you look at that and you think, where's the intelligence here? Where's the, if this, if, if this is the mindset of somebody who's trying to 
get things moving. What confidence can I have in the decisions that they're going to be making behind the scenes to try and make the right decisions going forward to make it a safer place and to put the right things in in in, in place for the scene to improve on the back of this? It's and like it's it just makes me think absolute zero. And you know, obviously, you see the fight logo on there, and that's that's you know, we've got a good relationship with fight. We've helped promote, helped them promote events in the past and things. And like I, I saw that, and I was just thought, oh my. God, if they're emailing me thinking, can we have a little co-promotion here or something like that? And you're like, absolutely not. Like, how can I in good faith kind of go out and try and, you know, promote this event, you know, alongside, you know, the people who were booked on this and the feeling towards it and the feelings I've got towards it. It's, 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 oh, it's, it's just so, I don't know, bad, bad, bad reading of the room. Yeah, it's just stupid and it? it's just, even if yeah. you want to take the moral side out of it, just from a business point of view, like it's just stupid. It's just, yeah. I feel like, you know, maybe I'm a bit more sympathetic to this is a full time wrestling company. I get it. They want to run shows. But like, I, still, I can't get past that. You know, that just that idiocy of like, of not doing the bare minimum. Because like, you know, ICW have slapped together a, a couple of policies and threw it on, on Twitter and kind of that's the end of it and you don't have any i don't know what they did about the previous allegations i don't know you know if they're taking any culpability you know progress have done a lot better like you said there gareth and they put you know some good policies out i have the concern that i maybe don't know entirely what the people behind progress feel what their actions are going to be for some of their cases but they've at least done that bit and i'm not saying it's the easy bit but it's mm. it's a straightforward thing to do like, I just don't understand how you can be in Rupert's position and not do the absolute minimum, which is that be, it's all well and good, you know, I am someone who, who sat through the, the podcast with Andy, I thought some of the feedback, the very, very negative feedback that came with that, I didn't agree with a lot of it, but it's easy for me to say, oh, listen to that podcast, I know what they're doing with the, with these individual cases, I know they're sending, you know, uh, sending Oku off to do sensitivity training, I know David Starr's now have come on back, I know Andy Quilden's never going to run the training school again, I would like to see a lot of this, you know, in black and white on paper, I feel like that's the announcement you make today, maybe, you know, from just from a pure business point of view, maybe people are more forgiven if you announce this fight card in like a month, or two mm. months, you know, I'm not saying it will be right then either, but you know, you you might get somewhere. You know, maybe we get more from from Osprey, and then you you go that route, or maybe Osprey does New Japan first. I don't know. I just feel like it's just bad decision after bad decision, and yeah, like you said, just bad bad reading of the room from Rev Pro really. And yeah, like you said, JP, there might be. In fact, I know there are there are hardcore Rev Pro fans who are going to watch this no matter what. Oh, our yeah. American friends that I think we both commented we've seen on Twitter kind of going, oh, cool, Rev Pro are back. It were completely detached from all this. You've got them too, but like, I don't know, the hardcore base that props up companies like that in this country, I just feel like you're, you're just trampling over uh, any trust they're going to have for you. And that's it. It comes down to the complete lack of transparency. It's just an announcement that mm. this is a show that's been taped and has taken place. Mm. And, and yeah, I, I, you I know, never mentioned that show completely... on that interview with Will. Like, never comes. I know Will didn't ask, and Will's apologised for not asking about when do you plan on coming back and doing shows. But I feel like when you're chatting for four and a half hours, at some point you might mention that. Like, why was that a secret? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, just dealt with this terribly. 
and it's you know quite often this is the case isn't it with these things and i have to you know mirror a lot of the thoughts in terms of the show running itself i can't <laughs> see where the i mean i'd have zero appetite for it and for the reasons that one of the things that we've all a lot of us have made as as fans is decision to go right we're going to kind of judge the companies on well on how they deal with this and here there's nothing like there's nothing for you to go on at least like you said like with progress there is that start i have issues though like regarding the kind of talent and and where that happens and the lines being very much blurred around that and those are the like these are the things you need like because there's an element of you need to show your fans that you're taking this seriously, mm. that this is something that actually you'd want to take seriously. Why wouldn't you? And by not publishing these things, it, it just exactly, it just looks like you, you don't give a shit and because maybe that you don't. And that's the kind of real thing that you kind of get to. Maybe that's the play JP. Maybe it's, you know, fuck maybe these that's the play. Twitter fans. We're going to carry on. It's, it's just noise. completely we'll keep moving. stonewall it in the meantime completely not say anything and just and they'll and they'll just carry on and we see lots of that happening around the industry and this is where like you know the kind of lack of the the kind of governing body and things like that 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 that, because that doesn't exist because there's no structure to any of this industry it becomes a case where the only action you can really take as fans is your boycott if you don't if you if you really if you like don't have the faith in him to invest in them and you do that. And I get why people would do that. It makes complete sense. And, and, and it, it, like we're just making the point there about the, the, the money side of things and just thinking mm. about the, 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 the Twitter voice, you know, unfortunately we do make up like a small proportion of people. And like you say, there's people there in America and things who are going to look at this and they're going to see Will Ospreay on a poster mm. and, that you haven't seen him wrestle for six months, you know, they're Will Ospreay fans and, you know, you do some easy maths, what, 5,000 people buy it at 20 quid a pop or something, there you go, there's a 100 grand kind of thing and it's just like money coming to the fore and it's 5,000 people sat across um, America, Canada, Australia or whatever who are just so removed from this that they're, you know, it's it's maybe not even on their radar, they're not on yeah. Twitter or whatever kind of thing and just there you go and the, and, and, and the cash comes in and then that's before you've, you know, you've just moved on from things, and you're just uh, you're just taking things forward. And I don't know. It certainly it raises a lot of questions for me because it just you know it just it's the the, the speed of it. It's just it, it just feels so quick. It just feels far too quick. And I think you know I can understand. Obviously, it's 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 a full time business, and they want to get money in as quickly as possible and things like that. But do you have to book this card? Do you have to book these 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 people? Is there not measure, steps and measures that you need to put in place before? you run shows again and before certain people perform on your shows again and things because it's not like these are factors that they're oblivious to you know he's actively sat there and talked about it for four and a half hours you know about the the feeling towards certain wrestlers towards their product towards decisions that they've made towards plans that they're supposedly putting in place and things like that and yet then you just go plow through all of that and let's just get a let's let's just get a show out there that we know is behind closed doors anyway and we, we can we can get some money through the tills i don't know yeah that sums it up well really um i guess we'll see what the interest level is again it's SummerSlam weekend and you know don't get it lost like it's Daft time to put the show on. I think it was I saw Benny um, 
um, the, the old hack guy from the UK for, UK fan forum days, Brit Reservoir days on Twitter, put on uh, on his Twitter about oh like what a weekend this is to run. Like I think this UFC, SummerSlam, Takeover, Dynamite on two GCW shows beyond. Yeah, I don't know. Even from that point of view, it seems tough. But I guess we'll see what the uh, what the interest levels are and how many people do follow through. Like you said, JP on a on a, on a potential boycott. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, moving on, um, get into a bit of what we've uh, actually been watching uh, in this last week. Um, I suppose, unfortunately, related. Um, Got to talk some New Japan. Um, New Japan did on on their they, they had. It's Tournament City right now in New Japan. Um, it's kind of what's going on. Uh, one of the New Japan Strong shows uh, with the with the USA Cup, um, and two with their with their six man tournament they've uh, hastily put together for the for their their six man belts. Uh, I suppose it's matches with stakes, so we've got to take that. But I don't know how much of uh, both of these tournaments uh, did you catch, JP. I'm assuming you're the you're the completest thinners, and you've seen all of the rounds of this six man <laughs> tournament. I can say oh. I've only seen the finals myself, but uh, oh, same here, mate. Oh, like, fair enough. And I really enjoyed this mm. match, but I think even a never six man tournament is only going to go so far for me. Yeah, yeah. There's only so much interest I'm going to have. And my brain can't cope with the amount of tournaments that are ongoing and that are coming up as well. It appears to be that every Japanese promotion is doing a tournament at, at some point or another. And this, why do these belts exist? They exist to headline Kurokan shows, don't they? That's why they're there. They're primarily to give your undercard something else, something to do. And I had such low expectations when watching this final. I know there was like, it was kind of jokingly about Yoshihashi and the fact that he's never won a title in New Japan. And what occurred over the course of that match was me being one round to Yoshihashi's uh, like quest for the very first time in my life. And I couldn't quite believe it, but you know, the, little scrappy do had won me round um, very much sort of but by the end of it I, like as a match it was it was kind of what those six man matches that have headlined shows at Kurokan for the last 20 odd years should be there's the interesting inter chaos dynamics that were that that were quite fun and you know I still don't care about the belts. I want to make that perfectly clear. I still don't care. But as a match, I enjoyed it. And it had some stakes. And it it was, you know, I thought show looked great. And they told a really good story of show effectively kind of, he's in the early stages of hanging with the heavyweights. And I predict he'll be there within sort of about three years or so. I have a feeling he's going to get quite a long run as the junior ace for a bit. And I think he should do. Because I think it'd really add to it. But I never failed to be impressed by him. Ishii was on it as well. He was just like, clearly, it lit a fire under all of them of all the things they could possibly do. And you see those videos and, and you know, it's the stuff that talked about in the New Japan fandom roundtable, the stuff that sometimes we miss, but the, the chaos DVDs that are sold in Japan where they just seem to be knocking about getting pissed and then going to a fun fair <laughs> or stuff like that. Like... But they're people who hang around together. So you can tell 
that they're enjoying it. And for Yoshihashi, it had a really nice, uh, just kind of purpose. For that moment, he got to have that little thing at Kurokan. Hmm. And I thought in some ways I felt about this as the same way I did when Man United won the European Cup in 99 to do the treble. There was a part of me going, <laughs> Where no, is this going? there was a part of me, part of me just going, all right, you've won it. It's a good moment for you. Now I don't ever want to see this ever again. <laughs> like, and that's kind of where I am with it. He's at his moment. Good for him. Now fuck off. <laughs> Wow. That sounds incredibly cruel by the end. I was, you know. Joe's a Closet United fan, isn't he? On the slide. Little, uh, yeah, little yeah, he there. is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I kind of... I. He's just not very good, though, is the thing. It's like... At least with Ghost... He was though. hidden well here. Did you not think the sequences with the Carder and the submission and stuff, right? I thought oh, that's, that stuff was actually really good. It felt like he was up for it because of the occasion, because he was finally going to win a belt. So, you can give him that. I just... Uh, I don't know, I just want to I'd rather yeah. see Goto in the role, you know? <laughs> and I'm saying that about Goto. <laughs> um, just, he just, he, this is, to be fair, this is the most, con- he, he just never looks confident in the ring. It doesn't even look like it's a gimmick. He just looks uncomfortable in the ring. He never, he doesn't seem happy in his own skin as a man. Like, he just, like. <laughs> That's a hell of a statement to make. I feel mean as well. Like, he's never listening <laughs> he's to this. He's not comfortable in his has. own skin. He's not. I am <laughs> like you just the, the the faces he pulls on his way out he looks nervous and then he's in the ring and he looks he looks like you know when you get like an indie wrestler in there who's only worked a couple of years and they're in there and they're like oh they can do certain things but they're just not quite comfortable with like their their, their place in, in life or they don't know quite know who they are yet like I don't know maybe I should I'll just be happy that he got his little he got his little United moment he got his little he, he he got his he's got his win he's got his belt. This is the closest I've ever put him um, to a belt, if I'm honest as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I wasn't as taken with it as you. I only I think I saw you. Do you give it a four on Grapple? Did you JP? I gave it a yeah a three and a half. I think that shows how invested I am in the uh, the Yoshihashi uh, Field of Dream success story. I don't know How about you, uh, Gareth. Were you uh, were you more into it? Are you Yoshihashi? What's his average? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a lot of questions, questions but <laughs> it's like JP on the round tables. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well played. Well, I think I was the. I think I was. I don't know. Maybe I was just uh, taken away in a wash of emotion and joy or something like that. I, I went oh, wow. four point two five. Absolutely, wow. absolutely loved this. I don't know if it was. I don't. Maybe it was because I think I've watched the majority of these shows as well, kind of thing, like across the across the whole week. So I, I've watched a lot of bang average stuff and a lot of dross. So for something like this, like you say, that it did have stakes, it did have meaning, it had a lot of energy, it had high work rate and things like that. That it sort of left me with a big smile on my face. It was definitely one of the better New Japan matches I've I've seen over the the last two two months. I'm like you though with with, with Yoshiashi. Like to to me, he always looks like. I don't know, like that footballer who like does something shite in the first three or four minutes kind of thing of a game and then he doesn't want the ball for 20 minutes or something like that. You know, he's always got that kind of like nervousness about him or something, you know, he just looks a bit kind of lost, lost, <laughs> a bit lost out there. I've got I've got Ian Hamilton's back body drop review up here, and he's literally used the screenshot of Yoshihashi on his entrance, and he literally he's not even done it on purpose. He looks like the most lost boy of all. It's going in the show notes. He just looks like a lost little boy, like and that's Did just you his also... permanent face. 
Did you also think as well that mouth guard at points it looks like he's eating like a strawberry calipo <laughs> or something like that? Because like Calipo, Casey, is smile. Calipo, Calipo, Calipo. Let's let's you know call the whole thing off. But it looks like he's certainly been at that, hasn't he? <laughs> and I couldn't help be distracted. And I'd also seen Big Trouble in Little China a lot long before that. And there's a sequence where Kim Cattrall, it's near the end when he's rescued her from having to get married to David Lopan. And she gives him a kiss. And he's got like the lipstick there. And he kind of looked a bit like that. That threw me out for a couple of minutes. And then I decided, <laughs> when I did go to the supermarket, I bought some Calippos. Or Calipo. <laughs> Product placement. We get to grapple blunder Calipos. Uh, I would at this point, I'd fucking kill for a product placement deal with Calip. No, I'll get to work. Um, <laughs> I think with this though as well, like I, th- I think the what the the one thing about it for me though was that even in success, it almost felt like a bit of a failure. It was almost kind of like letting somebody score in a testimonial or something like that or something, you know, in the way that they kind of like celebrated yeah. at the end with him. And Tony stuff. It was all, it was, it was all a bit kind of like he, he's, you know, like, look what you could have won. So, you know, almost kind of thing, well, here you go, you can have it kind of thing. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was all a bit. And the, the way they, I don't know. The, the, Taking the a way, piss, basically. Yeah, it was. It felt the way like a little bit like, kind of presented in the belt as well. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, it just it just sort of felt a little bit tongue in cheek at the end, and you're sort of like laughing behind his like laughing behind his back rather than like sharing joy with him almost kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that was just the way I <laughs> that was just the way I saw it. But they did give him some good stuff, like you say, that submission with the, with Akada where he's been establishing that finisher and like you know I was thinking of the old. Back in the MAA days, there was the old uh, Jesus Don't Tap or G- uh, merchandise that they had. And I was thinking, yeah, you get some old Yoshi Don't Tap merchandise on the back of that or something <laughs> like that. You know, he's, the card has been finishing people with this. And he was like putting putting up that big flurry on the back of uh, on the back at the end. And I was thinking, oh, I can see a, see a good G1 run here in the uh, in, in the wings for uh, Yoshi Hashi. If he's, uh, if he's going, uh, if he's going uh, toe-to-toe with a card here, yeah, maybe as the, uh, the field is... I think maybe they're, maybe they're just building Yoshiashi up for that that spoiler role or something we're like that, that in the uh, in, in the no, he's going to be in it that, again, isn't where, he? That's where this is going. You've hit something like there. Hundred percent. Like that is why this is happening. This, this is classic Gado booking. Give oh. him a little bump, and then we can justify putting him in the G one. Never mind. Show who turned who tore the house down with Ishii in this uh, in this six yeah. man. Nah, Yoshiashi overall, we'll get him in there. Uh, God, we're, we're struggling for numbers if this is the uh, if we're bringing Yoshihashi back to the G1s. He brings the G1 down. Mm. Like, and we've intensely watched. I am the right last on it. He wasn't in it last year, was couple. he? Didn't he? Didn't he drop? He wasn't in it last year. Down, no, yeah. he got demoted. Mm. He got relegated. And this is his promotion. He's like a. He's Nor. He's Norwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just not convincing as a Premier League team at all. It's like <laughs> clear relegation. You know, that's where they are. Where is Joe at these points? Um, <laughs> but, like, it, it really is. It's it's like he was relegated for good reason. Mm. If he gets back in there because of COVID, like, oh, God, another reason to hate for the godforsaken virus. <laughs> Yoshihashi back in that. He ruins blocks. He what just... a comeback story. What a comeback story. I, I, will, I will give you that. I'll take him over Yujiro. 
Like, if, it, if that's the one to one decision. They're both going to be there. Oh, mate. Can we get Sho and Yo in? Like, at least Sho. I mean, obviously, Yo's injured this day right now. Like, that's that's what I want. Just mix it up. Juniors and heavyweights. No one cares anymore. Let's just do more of that instead, eh? Because they've got. Like, that is like another news story, isn't it? The G1 was announced and they've got. I don't want to see. Because they're doing all basically the same amount of stops. So we're getting the full 10 man on each side. Like, I just don't want it to be like. The New Japan Cup we saw, you know, a month and a half ago, just retooled as a new one. And I'm really hopeful that they do. I think you can't bring in the Americans or the Brits, other than Zach, who's out there already. You can't really, you know, do much. Maybe you could bring in outsiders from other companies. But I think the most realistic way to give it some juice is to in- include you, Hiromu's of the world, um, and do yeah. that. Like, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for that rather than, yeah, this... Who were the dregs of the heavyweights we've got? Oh, yeah. Wake up the, the corpse of Togi Makabe and put him back in. You know, it's like, fuck. Is that where we're headed? At least Suzuki was out last year, so you should get Suzuki coming back as well. That'll be someone who'll be, it'll be, it'll be added to it again. So you'd you'd like to think there's a good story that you can tell with him there that that's, you know, he was he, he wasn't involved last year, so he's kind of man on a mission um, again this year. I think what you're talking about as well there with, with, with show and seeing him... Um, in there, obviously, is you know he's had those uh, he's had those matches with Shingo that have been really good, and mm. I think um, in 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 this particular one here, you know, uh, with 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 um, with with Ishii as well here, you know, he's shown that he can mix it and do some good stuff here with uh, with people in that heavyweight thing. So I think Sho could be someone who could you know really step up and have some have some good matches in the G1 as well. But it's uh, yeah, uh, they are potentially combing at the dregs there a little bit. They are at the bottom end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say. And also, as well, oh, sorry, just going to say about the theme of outsiders. The problem they've got is pretty much around the same time. Noah have got their N one tournament. All Japan have got the Champions Carnival as well, and there's probably another myriad of tournaments going on at the same time. And I think that's going to be part of the issue for that. Is is that's why we're going to get the kind of dregs on it, but. Say with Hiromu, I mean, it's it's becoming quite a... Um, I listened to the post-Puresu um, show, um, and it was one of the things that WH um, had had mentioned with this, is, is that the cases are rising in Japan. And these kind of ambitious schedules are like, you're really... like I get why they have to do it, because they themselves are a company and they are running. And they, they're going to be doing this. And you can see them, you know, running... I imagine there's shows at Kurokan pretty much on all the time at all times of the day mm. and that's something to be uh aware of as well but in order for Karomi to get to the dome I could see him losing to Taiji Ishimori at the uh at the Jingu show and then at that point that gives perhaps even a storyline reason for him then to be announced in the G1 as well like that. Yeah, and that way you throw the junior belt out of the mix mm. yeah, that would make sense but yeah, it's it's, a bit, it's about to get nuts. The schedule, like there's, like I said, there's that Jingo show, like the, the G1 is just going normal. I'm, de- I'm desperately trying to get a laptop in work so I can quote unquote work from home um, and watch this entire G1. Uh, hopefully, JP, you'll still be there right? if you're contributed uh, to this thing daily. But yeah, uh, it's about to get absolutely crazy, isn't it? Like the schedule over the the next few, not just New Japan either. There's fucking there's this big dynamite this week. There's All Out. The SummerSlam weekend, like, yeah, the promotions are just going for it now, aren't they? Um, there's plenty to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and they, and they need to and they need to catch up on revenues, aren't they? So they're all going to run. They're going to run as many times as they can. Yeah, I think that's it, and I think that's a key to why that they're trying to do the the G one as standard. Um, and again, like you know, cases are going up in Japan, but they're certainly not near you know America and not even near like the UK no. numbers. Um, so I don't think it's a disaster right now to be running, but obviously something to keep an eye on because it would be a disaster if they had to to call off a G one halfway through. I mean, the way twenty twenty's gone, that wouldn't shock me um, if that happened. But yeah, that's the risk they're taking, isn't it? Um, yeah, they are. Although I, I would say, like, I'm still waiting for WWE and AEW to get shut down. I think there's a point when in Florida, like, no the, it's the cases that are going up in Florida. Nine thousand something of deaths like that. In, yeah, and the amount and the amount of deaths as well are starting to rise. And it's the like, ICU Flair's back on Raw tonight. Against... He survived. Flair's Flair can oh. survive. It's okay. They can just give us. I mean. You say that about a lot of the companies, but how little WWE gives a shit about that. <laughs> Knowing that you don't need him there. He's not an essential part of your TV. No. You're just bringing him in. Why? And it's it's almost like, I tell you what would be funny, during a global pandemic, which you know affects people over a certain age disproportionately to others, let's bring him in for a laugh. We've had a couple of COVID cases. <laughs> bring him into the epicentre of, of the COVID virus. Fuck it. What do you do? Send him to Rio next. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rio is now the name of this podcast. Um, <laughs> well, while we're on YouTube, I, did, I assume you both watched the... Good uh, drink as well, Rio, isn't it? <laughs> a big fan of it, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the, yeah, it's like a tropical drink, isn't it? Big fan of it. I used to forget that yeah. a lot when I was a kid. Good drink. <laughs> I was going to say it was yeah, Umbongo. That's a different drink, isn't it? That was the sound of the jungle. Or the drink of the jungle. That sounds like Kamala territory again, isn't it? When you think back on it. Oh shit, man! My, my whole childhood is uh, is an absolute stain, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you... a, bit, a, bit, a bit like my jet poster. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there he is. I'd say you lower the tone, but it could get lower. Who was who was on the telly at the time when we were kids as well? There you go. Oh yeah, some <laughs> bad bad people in both in sports and Fuck, entertainment. Yeah. Uh, um, before we do move on though on New Japan not that there's, I don't think there is any bad people on this US show I suppose uh, Osprey still appears in the advertisements and, uh, and Chase, Chase Owens is all around so yeah there is Chase um, they did debut this uh, the start of this uh, New Japan uh, US Cup or the USA New Japan Cup USA is what they're calling it isn't it um, on, the, uh, on the New Japan Strong show easy hour watch I would say um kind of glad i watched it kind of i don't know it kind of washed over me this show i think there was a big difference here between watching the finals of the six-man tournament with a crowd you can only clap but there's a crowd and it feels like they are packing a few more people in to watching this with just absolute silence it's like going back to earlier on in the uh, the pandemic isn't it um i don't know if you're gonna do it i suppose it's the way to do it our runtime four matches in and out Nothing over 10 minutes. Um, at least it's got that going for it. But, mm. I don't know, nothing particularly um, set my world alight. I enjoyed Kenta and Carl Fredericks for kind of the, you know, the, the veteran and, uh, and young gun dynamic that I'm sure you're going to uh, tell us how much you loved in a second, JP. But that was kind of the highlight of the show for me. That, that Nothing else broke three stars when I rated on Grapple just now. And, you know, maybe it shouldn't with it being an empty arena, one-hour show with 10-minute matches. 
Um, but yeah, it's weird. It's like on the one hand, the one I recommend it to people is an easy watch. On the other hand, if you missed it, you missed it. It's not the end of the world. I don't know if you feel any difference. I preferred Lions Break Collision, to right. be honest with you. And it's going to sound ridiculous. I thought the format they hit for that was kind of perfect. And it was almost by accident. And it was two matches, 15-minute time limits. They had the advert, a couple of promos, a quick Kevin Kelly interview, and they were kind of out of there. I think the four matches format actually was something they could have spread that out. I don't know why there was need to rush it. I'm viewing it as they're looking at it as an experiment for what they want this New Japan of USA brand to be at some stage. And that's what this is. And it's an experiment in seeing whether or not this will be able to kind of garner an interest in perhaps uh, a couple of kind of other people to perhaps focus on for shows. Um, they have that studio space there. So I just think they, they're using it. Mm. Um, I thought Kozlov on commentary really wasn't, really wasn't uh, jobs very for the boys. That isn't it? Like Rocky just getting, yeah. Like, why is Rocky not doing it himself? Like uh, he's in the US, isn't he? Like that would exactly. be better. Yeah. I'd assume he's got a heavy part in booking a lot of these shows. Oh, to- well, that's why, yeah, that's why Kozlov's yeah. using the job, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he just seemed, he seemed awkward. He seemed as awkward as someone doing that first ever gig commentary would seem, which is why you probably shouldn't do it on, like, a New Japan show. I feel like, you know, you'd be, you need some reps elsewhere, I think, before you're thrown in the deep end after, what, four years out of the... Uh... Out of the spotlight. I suppose he did talk in Shoppermania, so there is that. Yeah, we, we've seen him twice in a week. <laughs> and then he got beaten up by someone pretending to be his mum. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? That, yeah. that was the thing he did, and it was like Alex Kozlov for forever hooligans. But, I mean, as it's inoffensive enough, but in some ways what Lions... I don't know, just because maybe it's for me, maybe it's just another tournament. And there's just so much in the way of tournaments. I've kind of got burnt out under other circumstances. And perhaps if this was happening like a month ago, I'd be a lot more into it mm. because everything about it, you mentioned as a show, the kind of four matches, the simple structure to it. I mean, like the Jeff Cobb Tangaloa match, you know, friend of the show, WH Park got some grief about that from Jeff Cobb himself. This one's flipped. I mean, I mean, really you could say in many ways, I always think with Jeff Cobb, he's, Something that Joe said, it's always stuck with me, Jeff Cobb, he basically dragged to the level of his opponent. And if your opponent is Tonga Loa, who is so dull, then it doesn't stand a chance. Mm. And it was just like watching paint dry with it. Whereas at least, like, Kent was doing some fun stuff. The hair in and of itself was just a sight to watch. Very impressive. <laughs> like, I wouldn't go for that. But, like, it was like, like he was auditioning for an 80s sitcom with that thing. But him and Carl Fredericks, I know in the flagship, Joe Lanza had said he thought Carl Fredericks was win. There was at least some like kind of a, an intrigue to that as well. And then, you know, but as a show, I, I it's fine. But in, as you say, Benno, we're going to be getting a glut of content coming up soon. And it's the kind mm. of stuff that could easily get lost down the schedule. And in terms of who's winning it, it just seems like Kent has nailed on, surely. Gotta be. Uh, yeah. He's the biggest name in it, isn't he? Uh, and they would want him and Moxley in Japan if they were ever able to get it. But to be honest, uh, this is another thing. Getting Moxley to job that belt back, I could just see a situation where he doesn't come back, to be honest, yeah. and they end up stripping him of it. I can see that's the way that's going, to be honest. And maybe then, yeah, you know, Kenta wins this tournament, you know, for Kenta's your US mm-hmm. champion. Maybe that's the route, I don't know. But yeah, how about you, Gareth? Like, 
from a star rating point of view with the impressed. I went three on the opener, two on the second match, two on the third match, uh, and then two and a half for the main event. Um, I don't know. Were you any higher on any of those matches, or yeah? You can yeah, I mean, I mean, to, I feel like you've said it all, really, kind of thing. Like, to, like to me, it's, it felt like it was. It was something that I, I should watch, kind of thing. I thought, oh well, mm. you know, this could play an important role in the future, so I need to, I need to see it to 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 know where it goes from here, kind of thing. But I don't know. I was just left. I was left left a bit flat by it, to be honest. And I mean, I haven't watched any of the lines break uh, lines break collision that um, JP was referencing there. So it was the first time that I've seen Carl Fredericks like in non young boy role almost kind of thing and just like the first i mean the first thing was just like his gear i just like i just thought he looked terrible like it, mm. it was like from the danny hope school of um get, get your tassels out kind of thing like it just looked it just looked shindy as hell i just yeah. thought like i thought i thought it was it looked really really lame and and for somebody who when you'd seen him on like young boy duty in japan like just in the plain black trunks and that he looked like a star there kind of thing and now he somehow looks like less of a star when he's had some effort put into his gear which it's always going to be one of the first things that, that like i'm gonna um, think about you know i think the show itself like i liked the setup i thought uh, you know the, the 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 way it looked and things like that kind of got me at the start but again the whole no crowd thing that just that just i don't know i think it really negatively impacted things for me and especially of sort of a show of this this nature where it was that kind of like quick in and out sort of thing I, it, it just made me feel a bit of a disconnect really with the with the matches and i mean i've seen people go higher on grapple um for for what they've given with their their ratings there but i mean that, like that first one that kenta carl fredericks one i think i think i gave it a three i think i've seen i mean off the top of my head i think the average was probably closer to three and a half that, that people would give it there so i think people enjoyed that more than me the Finley Chase Owens match again. I think I, 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 I think I gave it about a three or some two and a half. You know, it was very middle of the very middle of the road there. You know, I think it was the the same for the for the second match. And you know, I, I never even got to the final one. I just sort of I've still got that left to watch, and I think it'll probably stay okay. there, like left to watch, to be honest, kind of thing. Like it's it just felt it just felt very very flat to me. So um, so yeah, I mean, I'll give the I'll. I'll give the second show a go because at the end of the day it was an hour kind of thing and it was one of those things that you could just 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 have on. But it certainly wasn't anything that I was thinking, having gone into it thinking I need to watch this. I sort of left it thinking I don't need to watch this kind of thing. So no no glowing tributes from me. No, no. Yeah, again, if it's short, then yeah, you'll 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 probably talk me into watching it. If it's a vehicle to get Kenta over for something big in Japan. Maybe you'll get me watching it, but yeah, if if you don't, um, I wouldn't hold it against anyone. Where was Jay White, by the way? Like, odd that he's, um, you know, talking a lot of a lot of stuff on Twitter, but not turning up for uh, for this show. He is based in the US, isn't he, Jay White? Thought he was. No, New Zealand. Oh, he is based in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's based in New Zealand, and there's a. I mean, I'd imagine in terms of travel yeah, policies, probably hard to get New to America Zealand. than Japan. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, getting to Japan is relatively easy from New Zealand, mm. relatively speaking. It's sort of the, the right right part of the world for it. The problem is I don't think Japan is allowing anyone in unless they've got effectively, like, kind of visas ready to go and the rest of it. You know, in New Zealand at the moment, obviously, they've not had any local transmissions, was it, for 100 days? Sorry, I keep coming back to that. So, but <laughs> it is, But it's the things that's obviously holding up all of this as well. Mm. So... Yeah, you might get ready for some um, 
New Zealand wrestling. They might have him, Hanare, and uh, Farley on some sort of New Zealand version of New Japan Strong. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And if that happens... It'll, it'll be shit. And they, they have to wait for Joe to come back, and we'll get Steph on that episode so they can have the longer wait than Jay White to wait. That's what I want. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, point counterpoint episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Steph will hold her own in that one, I tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Moving on then, uh, probably let's talk a little bit of uh, sorry to uh, to Chris Lane. We are talking some Noah later, so stay tuned for that. Um, but let's talk some Wednesday Night Wars uh, for the time being. Uh, did anyone? We never really talk NXT, but did you guys see the angle with the football man? Who's this football yeah. man? I feel like Garrett's gonna be able to inform us. Hopefully, on who he is, the punter and Adam Cole. What like? Yeah, I don't really watch much NXT these days, but I tuned in for that and I quickly realised why I don't watch NXT anymore. No, I must admit, I haven't watched NXT for months now, I don't think. I've had it on. Remember when it was the hot, cool product? Remember when we all had to watch it every week? Well, not every week. Maybe the takeovers, actually. Maybe it was never the hot, cool product. Maybe that's what we'll find out uh, when it's stacked against You used to to get excited, though, about takeovers. It was, like, Mm. genuinely, like, you know, highlight of your, you know... Highlight of the the quarter kind of thing, you know, because there was only you know probably one every 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 quarter of a year or something like that. It was just a always great. huge, uh, you know, huge huge um, huge thing to look forward to. And now it's just, you know, God, I mean, you know, you know, there's literally as I'm scrolling through and looking at the matches that were on the show and things like that. There's absolutely nothing there that's like pulling me into have any level of interest in in watching. And then when you've got something like you know, say I watch American football, you know, yeah, he's a punter kind of thing. Is uh, If you were giving Gronk grief, God, you know, Gronk's 400 million times the, you know, the impact in the NFL that he, that, that, that he, he made sort of thing. So, you know, just think to have someone like Adam Cole, who you're supposed to be pushing as one of your big stars, rubbing shoulders with him, doing dog shit ankles, looking like an absolute, you know, looking like a midget compared to, to, to him from, you know, in terms of, you know, side, size point of view and things like that, just totally looking non-credible. It's just, uh, oh, I mean, I just I just can't see what they're doing. That, that brand just feels like it's just like the main products just going from, from worse to worse and some of the decisions that they're making around things like this are just... I just leave you scratching your head. You think what what they they try to do with this, and they, you know, trying to pull in some mainstream attention by getting him involved. And obviously, he's got like a successful you know show and things like that that they can get people talking in, in the brand. But again, it just falls back into eye for an eye territory and you know raw underground territory and greatest wrestling match ever territory as well. That it's that short term, get a bit of noise, get a bit of you know we're an entertainment company, get ourselves in the entertainment space, and and the long term damage that they're doing like I, I i just you know i just can't see nxt for, from where it's fallen from to where it is now like I, what what is the future of that brand supposed to be like what's mm. what, what what is it that they in 12 months time are they going to be they're going to be delivering and it's just this whole short-termism thinking again and just like you know trying to counter things to just pop a short a short-term rating to disrupt AEW and things like that it's it's almost like again they just don't realize that they're just they're they're, they're, they're eating food off their own table how do you like that one I get. <laughs> but they but it, it existed like in its current incarnation it changed because of AEW to be a program that exists to hurt AEW and it does that but AEW is not going anywhere and as soon as they signed the deal with um, TNT, 
that was at the point when they were kind of at least financially safe till 2024. Mm. Um, and it's and for this, it feels like NXT has just burnt through so many storylines, mm. so much over this period of time. And what it used to have was an element of long-term planning, mm. didn't it? Like, and it was stories that would last a long time. And now there's none of that. They're just rushing through stuff. At the point, if Killer Cross is like one of your big hopes, the brand, you're in trouble. You really are in trouble. And that he could do something on a main roster because of his look. But like, you're at the point where, from a talent perspective, you think of what these shows were. It was like WWE showing that they could do work right. Hmm. And they're not even doing that. And, and therefore, as soon as it's... And it's these things that you kind of notice with trends that it, it's the kind of stuff that isn't appointment viewing. This takeover... I mean, the last takeover, we said, was easily the worst of the takeovers that they've done. This one, what else has it got on it? I mean, the McAfee stuff reminds me of stuff that WWE used to do when they were desperate for ratings and yes. any mainstream star could turn 1995, up. 1995, 1996. Yeah. B-level. Desperate Vince. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, though, you were saying before. Like, if Garrett like, can't even talk him up as, like, a, you know... I knew he wasn't a star, but, like... You think about, like, they've already used them on all these, pre- you know, there was that whole story, the panel show, uh, for, was it Mania Weekend, where he turned up in shorts? Like, how long ago was that? He's been around on the WWE product. If he was going to bring any new new eyeballs to the WWE, he's done it already. No one's tuning in to see him, Adam Cole. So, like you said, JP, you're, you're sacrificing, like, what used to be a, a, a gimme, the takeover, that have, you know, four or five world-class mm-hmm. matches, and you're already down one. You know, because there's no way this is going to be particularly good. So, what else have you yep. got? It's it's worrying. And also, you're potentially sacrificing the Undisputed Era, which mm. could be a faction that could mean something if they were well-booked on the main roster. Now, as soon as I've said that last sentence, I realise, well, that's clearly <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, what well, there is there is an inherent value you could get from them as, a, as an interesting new faction. Oh. But at, at the same time, it's... It, you know, God, what are they doing instead of doing aces and eights? Unless the two emerged, in which case, what a terrible way to bring in undisputed era. Um, <laughs> but it's, but that's it. You, you, you're sacrificing this for really nothing more against someone who doesn't have any value. And you mentioned if it was against Gronk, I could get that from a mainstream perspective yeah. as much as I would yeah. dislike it. Maybe it's Gronk. It's a different level. This is someone who would be at least. They talk about it on on flagship don't they the mum test at least gronk has got some sort of, like kind of mainstream credibility but fuck me pack pat mcafee like and it's very hard not to get him confused with john mcafee and that crazy documentary <laughs> yeah and on the antivirus software that too <laughs> yeah that's it crazy but... as a shithouse rat my name is to say well, I suppose it's uh, it should be no shock then that uh, you know I suppose you know NXT's ratings are relatively healthy, but you know AW ran away with it this week. You know, back in the nine hundred thousand viewers uh, world, I've seen people run with this as like you know obviously they did very well in uh, quote unquote the demo was you know that they're in fact beating Raw. I think on a technicality beating Raw and outright beating SmackDown. Um, you know, there is you know, there's clearly. I think the thing with me with ratings, and we've talked about this before, there's clearly a pattern. Over the last month or so, 
Dynamite's been good. Like it's been more good than bad. You know, last week wasn't an amazing show. Uh, this last then this this week was a very good show. But overall, they've been delivering. They've been building things of interest. It's been a it's been a, a good show. You know, one week at nine hundred thousands. I want to see them. You know, do that regularly. I want to see them. You know, kill it in the in the demo regularly as well. Uh, before I'm you know doing somersaults for them, but. It's clear, I think that they're on a they're on a good little run right now, and they've they've got their their ducks in a row. Like even when it comes down to like you know how how they put the shows together, you know how they've you know, even doing something like you know bringing Eric Bischoff was maligned by a lot of people. Um, he was a surprise, so I suppose you can't really credit him too much with the rating. But you know doing that big segment with uh, with Jericho and Orange Cassidy doing the big multi-man at the start of the show with a lot of stars out there, you know, already uh, in the ring and, and ready to go, um, which I think helps them, you know, not drop drop viewers. Having a strong main event as well. Like, it probably shouldn't have been a surprise after the really good last few weeks that, uh, that they did well from a ratings point of view this week because it was also a very good show. Um, yeah, obviously, all the, things are looking good for AEW, do you? you put this little uh, this bump they had this week down to that good booking is it down to what they had on offer this week is it is it the Bischoff factor I feel like uh, Gareth you might try and uh, sell us on that maybe he's the, uh, the reason behind this um, obviously things things are looking good for AW right now I want to I do still want to see this week but you can clearly see that you know they're, they're certainly not on a downswing and uh, things are looking good for that that big dynamite coming up this week yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, for me, again, it was just another. It was another show that improved. Obviously, I think last last one was wasn't the best. The mm-hmm. one before that was the excellent one we talked about on when I was last on the show with all That's the right. the good pro, the good promos and things like that. But I mean, to me, it it all just like comes back to storytelling and long term storytelling and you know building things that you've got an element of like interest and intrigue in seeing. And I think like that first match on this week's show was the prime example of that. You've got. You know, you've got the elite and FTR on one team there. And so you've got Young Bucks and FTR thing going on there that they've built over the last couple of weeks. There's 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 what's you know, what's happening with the story there. They're almost like you know, we know there's a, a feud coming kind of thing where they're they're doing their sort of you know, they're they're together but not kind of thing at the at the minute in a lot of instances. You've got the the hangman page, Kenny stuff going on with with with, with uh, within the elite as well there you've got the the cult stuff going on in the dark order there so you've got like three st- sort of stories there that they've built over a number of weeks and months that that's all in like literally the first match alone that's you know gives you an element of intrigue and interest in okay well where are they going with with these three things added to the fact that that match contains a lot of the biggest stars mm-hmm. and a, 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 added to that as well it was a fucking good match as well. You know, it was a, you know, if you think for a TV match, it's, you know, it's got a 3.76 average rating on grapple from like 150 people there who've, who've, who've rated it. You know, that's a TV match. You don't see 3.75 average ratings um, spat out on TV too often as well. So as well as all that storytelling, you've got star power and you've got good wrestling going on as well. So, you know, that's something that's hooking you in, you know, right away from the start. You look at the the next match, which was the, the best friends in a circle stuff there. They, they, they built that little storyline in and around that just to, you know, work something with those two around the, the, uh, around the, the car there as well. Um, with, the with the Trent's mom and things like that as, you know, but like, that was still, right. 
it was you know it was it was you know it's funny as well it's got that you know sort of genuine like tongue-in-cheek bit of humor and things like that about it as well you know working through things there you had the big swall match that's again it obviously wasn't a good match or things like that but you've had that whole thing that they've been building there with Britt Baker over a number of weeks there as well that you know they just little nuance little elements kind of thing like chip chip away while you've, you've got a not even un, unable not able to perform as well just keeping that story going there the whole Moxley Darby Allen dynamic there that had the you know with Taz on commentary just holding the cage element in there as well and things like that so it just feels to me like as well as having all these different matches that there's almost like a reason for the vast majority of them to be there and there's a storyline behind it that it's either something that's kicking off or it's something that's been trickling away in the background it's something that's further developed or something that's been just like hinted at and things there's there's a lot of good reasons to watch dynamite and you know when i talked about watching things earlier and feeling like you need to see it i kind of almost feel that's the case with dynamite like you've you've got to miss it because you're going to miss that not just one element of a story advancing there's there's probably going to be five or six elements of a story advancing that you that you're going to miss out on if you don't and you know it's sort of that's what what more is a there a reason to watch any kind of tv show than i don't want to miss out kind of thing and i feel like that's what they're building it's classic soap building, isn't it? You have at least an interest in all of the characters involved in there in some way. And you're not going to love all of them, but there's enough of them that you like. And at least the ones that you don't like, there is a reason for them to be there. And I look at the, the Dark Order as the kind of perfect case for that. I mean, and I have to say, it's never something that's going to really hit above any kind of mid-card role for the vast majority. But what it is, is a solid mid-card heel faction that you kept strong and it would if you'd been told there's a 12-man tag you'd be like oh my god i bet that's going to be an absolute clusterfuck to watch and it wasn't there were levels to it and it worked and it worked really well when you had it was six against three mm. and you had apparently brandon cutler working on the other side in oh. the uh, as the tall guy which would suggest that they had him in there because they knew who he was and like, and they'd all be comfortable kind of working with him. But I found myself as like, even in the Dark Order storylines, and I've even seen bits of BTE, that even that stuff, there, there is some small characterization. And I know we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when you were last on, Gareth, and you kind of hit on it again, really, which is it's these small little nuances of the story. If you miss it, you miss that. So in the bigger story, it's like a soap opera that you can't miss it because you're going to miss. It's not a key piece of detail, but it's important enough for it to have meaning. Whereas if you're just giving away the whole storyline week on week and basically character arcs within two to three weeks, then what's the point? You don't have the investment. The investment comes through time. Mm. That's where the real investment is. And when you hit back onto the ratings, it's all about trends. Like we've said our skepticism on Nielsen boxes and the rest. But there is a constant trend. There's a constant trend in the demo. Mm -hmm. There's a constant upward trend. It shows that there is an audience that is very much invested. There's probably still going to be 100 to 120,000 fans who are going to pay for all out. You know, you're going to get all like they are building their audience at this point because they're a startup. They're the start of. Um, you know, we're going to be having an AEW roundtable pretty soon. And it's it's when you think of where they are realistically as a wrestling company, 
they shouldn't be hitting this runner form really for a couple of years. This should just be building up. If you were thinking of this as like a television program and you saw a first season of a television program that was doing that, and we're not a year through the first year of, of AEW, they've done incredibly well. And also considering that they've, what, where would they be if they didn't have NXT around? Like how many people does that take away? And what's the point that you're going to find the drop-off from NXT where people start to give up on that? And, you know, it's these it's these trends. And, you know, you come back to WCW with WWE, there's that, there's that element of the kind of hubris that's going on, the kind of complete lack of creativity. They're very much like a zombie company at this point. And because everything behind it is just like kind of feels very much like this kind of surface value to it. Whereas AEW gives you a reason to kind of invest in them. And the amount of time that WWE asks to do, which is why when you hear a Seth Rollins say something about it's not, it's about lack of patience and stuff like that. It's like, fuck off. You don't give me, you don't give reasons to be patient. Whereas AEW do. Mm. And the, like the subtle changes in inner circle getting more and more aggressive as the weeks are going on. This is something we've spoken about a while ago where they seemed like a, around the stadium stampede, like they were kind of a big joke. And you can sense that perhaps if Orange Cassidy wins on this week's Dynamite, you're going to find them all being very aggressive going into All Out. And that's something that within the characterization of the inner circle, who are ostensibly the bad guys of the series, Mm. is an interesting little character development in itself. But you're not going to get that any of that stuff with WWE. And this is just a point of trying to attract those viewers over. You're rewarded for paying attention. Like it's what we yeah. always used to say about New Japan. Like even something like you know the Moxley Darby Allen main events. Like okay, you could have give that a bit more build, but I I love that Moxley promo where he kind of brings up how like Darby Allen's like is is kind of his favorite uh, from like the AW roster, and the commentary references you know their previous match which was early on in the in the Dynamite run, and like you know these aren't just two people who tagged once and it's forgotten about that li- even though they haven't got a big amount of history but that little bit of history is played up to give stakes to like a, a an interesting main event and you know people stuck with it for that reason because people are invested in you know if you're not invested in big xwwe star john moxley i feel like people like darby allen are the people who were pulling in the younger viewers who are like oh who's, who's this cool young character oh there's a story here with him and moxley you know i'm gonna pay attention i'm gonna watch it like that's 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 what they're doing well. It's that, I think, it's that rewarding you for watching it. And two, I think they're doing a good job of pulling from all different kinds of audiences. So those mm-hmm. kind of combos, doing Moxley and Darby Allen in the main event, Jericho and Orange Cassidy, I've got no doubt that's going to pull. I, I said before, I want to see them do 900,000 two weeks in a row. I feel like they're going to. I feel like they're at least going to. I, I honestly mm-hmm. think that match is going to be big this week. Um, purely based off how how good the angle was, but I love the dynamic of it. I love the fact that it's, you know, it's this meme wrestler who, like, is going to attract more of the younger audience and this star in Jericho. And you put them out there with with Eric Bischoff, who, you know what, for all all the shit that people gave them on Puck and Bischoff, I thought Bischoff was very good in the segment. And if anything, I would have had him do a little bit more, or I would have announced them at least and Mm -hmm. maybe gotten a bit more juice out of it. Um, But that entire segment was a money segment. Like, that was, like... You know, from the comedy at the start, which is great, which it was, it was very funny. You know, the whole stuff with Aaron Cassidy not answering any questions, and then he breaks out. It's like the routine from um, 
old school, I think it is, where he just, you know, he breaks character and cuts yep. a promo about, uh, about climate change. And, like, it was fucking, it was such great timing. But when it came down to do the serious stuff, and it came down to do the beatdown, and it came down for Orange Cassidy to sell, my God, did he sell. My God, did Jericho and the lads look like badasses. And, my God, am I excited for that match next week, uh, or this week coming up. Like, that is... Everything about that segment for me was money. Um, I think it was so. And, and, and I think the way they've handled Orange Cassidy and like the development of the character has been mm. absolutely spot on. Because yes. like I remember you guys talking about him when you did like the WrestleMania weekend the year before last, and I think you watched every show going, didn't you, Benno? And I think you'd seen like the Orange Cassidy match about seven times once, that weekend. Or something once you're watching like that. Orange Cassidy versus Brian Alvarez at five in the morning on a Sunday, you start to question your life decisions, mate. <laughs> and like, for me, what the first time I saw him, I was like, ha ha, yeah, okay. And then, you know, where do you go with this kind of thing? Like how, how much legs is there in this character? And, and like, it seems like they're putting legs into this character kind of thing again it's got those little elements and the, the way they're just bringing him out bit, bit signs of aggression different types of humor the people that they're making him work with and things like that it's just, you, know, you know and again it's been proven that you know young people you know he is a ratings drawer he is somebody who's popular online and things like mm. that so that they're, they're making it not just like a one and done he's somebody that actually they can draw ratings and money out of for a longer period of time by treating the character seriously and you know evolving the character in the in the, in the right way organically and slowly um, and you know like you know fair play fair play to them because again it was an absolutely fantastic segment there and it's got you thinking about this match and me hoping that jericho hasn't got covid from his weekend's <laughs> exploits and putting a spanner in the work oh that'd be devastating I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking that's that. That's the problem with it is you like, although it's very hard to see anyone else other than Orange Cassidy winning this and then them having the rubber match at All Out, and it's building a star, isn't it? Mm. And it's it's it was the delivery and the cadence was the stuff that I was really impressed with. Mm. Like Orange Cassidy's like the kind of promo at the end where he goes, "I see what you're doing. You're having a guy who doesn't talk it." And it's like you're saying, it's that it's the kind of snapping back beyond beyond the character making it that bit more interesting and adding depth to it which is a thing that they do and it's a really good trait as well is the way that losses are treated as that's a part of character development and character growth and that's in some ways the ufc do that as part of their booking like a, you know somebody loses it forces them to go away and retrain and try and think about how they can be better than themselves next time and they built up that and that's, I think, part of the genuine kind of empathy. And because we don't see Orange Cassidy wrestle that much, how many matches has he had? Like, singles matches. Is this the third one? Because the, the Pac match, which was great. Yeah. The other the Jericho match. match. The, yeah, this the Jericho the match. The third one. Hmm. Like, and that's not... They're not giving him away, either. Like, and they were clever enough to do that when they had the Pac match, to realise that there's actually people who are going to pay for it. And it's taking what is the perceived wisdom of what a draw is and kind of inverting it. But also at the same time, and it's the thing that he'll probably never get as much credit for because the character kind of supersedes it. His work, his timing, the fact he's doing this stuff with his hands in his pockets a lot of the time, stuff that Jim Ross would have hate. And I, this is what I like about AEWs. It's just changing some of these sort of sacred cows about how wrestling should be produced. And just sort of taking it away. 
and I want to mention, I haven't seen all of it. I've only started watching it. But the um, the um, deadly draw thing they're doing, yet another fucking tournament. <laughs> That's done some big numbers on YouTube. And I get the argument, actually, that I, I think there should be a match of this or a two matches. Certainly should be on Dynamite at some point. Um, but it's done very well for that. And, you know, they're making these decisions that kind of, for the greater, wider audience, they're, they're managing to kind of solidify themselves. Certainly it's something that isn't going away and it's not, and it's worthwhile investing in. And that's the important thing because there's so much wrestling out there and that's your key hook is getting them invested. And yeah, Tony Khan, mate, Booker of the Year. <laughs> I'll take that back if we get the Zack Ryder Cody Rhodes match that I'm fearing we're going towards. If someone else turns on Cody so we can live his dreams of being nineties Sting, then I'm not gonna be happy if we're uh, if we're going that direction. If those those five Zack Ryder dates include an all out appearance, God. Uh, he couldn't look more bang average, could he, in that tag? Like he was just he was ex WWE yeah. star Zack Ryder. But again, yeah, I I was kind of talked into this because I thought he offered nothing at first. People who know better than me did push back that, well, you know, there's those YouTube video viewers and, you know, the whole Major Brothers Figures podcast stuff. Um, but I don't know. He's not offering, he's not offering much for me right now. Um, any other thoughts on I, that? I'll I, I, I tell you what, though, with that, with that one, where we criticise the WWE for this kind of short-termism and trying to do something to pop some people talking on social media and things like that and it's been by adding an element of like ridiculousness to their product that ultimately is you know is impacting it longer term i think here something like that with getting Zack Ryder on there like you say he's got an element of a following there will have been people who tuned in to see him because they listen to his podcast they've been a fan of him from his you know his YouTube run that he had and you know disappointed in the way that he was treated with that product there I know that the Eric Bischoff thing was leaked um but and you think well who actually leaked that kind of thing is it something that's maybe come from within AEW as well and but again think about the way he was used in that in 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 that, in that process as as that moderator um again it was a good use of something like that and it it's 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 not like cheap attempts to get more people watching it's actually taking things that people are interested in or are going to talk about and putting them in roles so that are not going to be detrimental to the product long term but they have an element of value for the small amount of time that they're used and even something like that with with matt cardona as much as i don't want to see him on my tv i don't think he's a good fit for what aw have done i think they're working all other areas it gives me confidence that they're actually going to use him in a way that is going to be valuable as opposed to it just been some throwaway you know oh yeah he's he's zach Ryder. let's try and get fifty thousand more people to watch our product this week because zach Ryder's on the show or something like that they'll actually use it probably to further code his story in some way or um or have an impact maybe on a different character as a result of something that happens on the back of this that, that ultimately will be positive down the line. And, you know, I think any time you're watching wrestling and you've got that element of confidence in the way somebody is, is booking and planning out stories and things like that, then again, it's sort of, it's, 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 only, uh, it's, it's, it's only good. And that's definitely where I, I sit with AEW at the minute is I feel like there's, 
there's thinking and strategy behind what they're doing. They've they've got stuff mapped out for months. They know where they're going with certain elements, and um, and then using these small things there to 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 pop a rating here and there, or just to add a, add a bit more talk around the product, and but making it fit in and it not just been you know for for no reason at all. Absolutely. Um, was one other thing I wanted to say about AEW. Um, one thing, one thing I do want to get rid of. I do say is a big negative on the shows, and they need to get rid of. It's this goddamn. I don't know if it's a SmackDown pop. Is it a Dynamite pop? Oh, this piped yeah. in noise. Like I hope you guys agree yeah. because I listened to John and Wayne. John and Wayne does it enhance the show. I don't know whether it's just a me thing, but like now that I know the cadence of it and I know when each scream is going to come, like because a lot of it's very high pitched. Oh my God! Did they circle that thing during the first half hour of the show? Especially in that multi-man. I mean, maybe the argument's it's better than the no noise, but like, fuck me! Like, it just it gave me a headache. I honestly, as much as I'm saying I enjoyed the show, and I did when I watched it the next day, watching it live, I genuinely had to turn it off because it was driving me mad that that much. Is it just me or like it's oh. As, Maybe it's one as of those soon as you said it, it I can't started it. to think it. Yeah, it's yeah. my fault. Sorry, I think I did that to a yeah. few people. Sorry, everyone. You did. Oh, I, hate uh, I, saw, I saw you tweet about it, and I was kind of listening for it, but then I just got—I forgot about it, kind Good. of thing. So you, it oh, hasn't, you haven't—you haven't affected me with it, and it doesn't bother me. So that's oh, all right. I would say there's there's a positive thing of this as well. Everyone's on their best behavior on AEW because mm. I remember Eric Bischoff of that Qatari mm. pro wrestling show, mm. and he kicked off with like a ten minute promo talking to Qatari school children about the NWO, which you know <laughs> what? was like twelve years before they were born, and <laughs> yeah, and he's talking about that. Whereas here, he was just like no tone isn't as isn't the money mark that maybe i think he is so i'm gonna be on my best behavior and see if he can work his way in that way he came in read his lines and went home didn't he that's what he did he did and yeah it's i i did want to one final thing with it the short-term contract thing with matt cardona i do find an interesting kind of use for that because i assume that's like a tester to see if it works for both sides and then if he likes it and they like him and they can see a role for him. And really what we're lacking is the promo explaining why he's there and how he delivers that promo. Because the thing they've done very well is have their characters move away from the WWE version at times mm. and they become different people. Um, Brody Lee is, is, is John Moxley, obviously the kind of obvious examples of that. But I wonder if they'll do that with him and mm. how he'll be motivated because then we don't know. He could, you know, we say this a lot about AEW, we're sceptical and then someone cuts a great promo or something like that happens and all of a sudden you think, okay, I'm interested now because this is different to, to what I expected. So, like, it's mad because, in again, normal times, I'd be like, no way am I interested in him coming on TV. Here we are. Like, I've fa- weird faith in them doing that. That says everything. Um, moving on then, I suppose we've got, what, maybe five, ten minutes Maybe a bit longer, I can stretch. JP, I promised the people uh, while you're having a spoke that you talk some Noah for us. What else have <laughs> we uh, we all been watching briefly? Um, I know you're watching Warrior Wrestling as well. Uh, but go on, give, give uh, us the Noah, because I know you you suffer for your art today trying to uh, uh, Yeah, so I watched this because it was the unification match between... Um, well, there was two matches on this 20th anniversary show that was on this morning. Mm. One was... Keiji Muto versus um, uh, Kiyomiya. 
the the kind of young lad he's being groomed to be their ace. Mm. That was on, and then there was the final, which was the unification match, the um, Kenoa versus Goshi Azaki. Um, now, I'll say first of all, like on the they're in a very big venue for it as well, so it kind of felt like a kind of special show. They had Sakuraba on the undercard again, but if you told that like, I didn't know what was happening going into this. And spoiler alert, it's two draws. One <laughs> half an hour and one an hour. <laughs> you right? do this to yourself. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I was intrigued by both of those. Right, So I'll watch this. I won't lie. It was about 15 minutes into the, into the um, Muto Kiyomiya match. Where I, I was thinking, actually, this has been all right. Muto's putting as much of a shift in as he can do these days at 57 with knackered knees. And like for Kiyomiya, it's like a kind of weird test. Half an hour with a completely broken down wrestler who on his day will give as less of a shit as anyone else. Like, what can you do? But he was motivated. I thought he worked really well around like Muto and like a lot of stuff sort of working his arm and the way he was working it. And then it was Muto working his leg, trying to get dragon screws in. I, I was well, all right with this. It went the half an hour. I get why people would say, well, that's just a ridiculous decision, but clearly they're thinking they can get some more value out of the rematch Mm. for this as well. And it's part of the journey of building Kiyomiya up and getting him to that kind of ACE level. They want him to be, that's the longer term project. They already gained the title, but it didn't really seem to kind of work. So I was all right, weirdly, with half an hour for it. Um, I don't know if you've got it up on Grapple yet, Gareth, have you? Uh, by, the time, by the time people are listening to this, it'll be up on Grapple. Hey, that's Gareth good takes away on his birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, by the way, Gareth. It's been your birthday for more than five minutes. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Spending it with us, um, yeah. forty-two-year-old. Fuck those lakes off, mate. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm as old as Ricky Morton uh, when uh, they brought the NWA back to Raw all them years ago. Now, wow, Jesus, <laughs> looking better than them, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, you look- better shape as well. I've seen you doing those runs. Better hairline. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that hair going when I've drove past you as well. It's a sight. <laughs> um, but yeah. This was not, he kicked out the Shining Wizard. It was as good a Muto match as you're going to have these days. Ratings wise, and I'm somewhat biased in this, I would go three and a half. Wow. Like Muto in 2020. Yeah. Like, and it's actually more for Kiyomiya. Right. Because I think what he did, getting this kind of a match out of someone who really is broken down completely Hmm. without having to resort to a lot of stalling which I thought it'd be full of, but there was none of that. And the crowd seemed into it as well. And I don't think that's going to hurt Kiyomiya in the long run Mm. for it. The hour long match though, was I, I, I'd little, I'd little fight. I was intrigued by why they were doing it. Was it some desperate move? Spoiler alert. They basically did it for no reason. They did it so they could have it as a main event on a show. It's not the worst match, but it's an hour long. And it's very stiff. And there's lots of striking sequences. And then they'll work a submission. And Keno will look pissed off and shitty about it. And Go Shiozaki is a charisma vacuum. He really is. He's probably a very lovely man. And in the promo, he was going about, I am Noah. And I was like, I fucking hope not, mate. Because otherwise, they're going to go to shit if 
they are. It sounds awful. But it was, it, it, I just couldn't really get invested in it. It was better than the Jay Lethal Matt Taven hour long match. <laughs> High praise. Through. High praise indeed. And I like to be punished somewhat for the art of this. But I only finished recording it about, I finished watching it about two minutes before. And I think I, I was quite angry about the length of time. And there is a point when it goes past half an hour and you go, oh, fuck, they're doing a draw, aren't they? And it's like, yeah, you're still slapping shit out of each other. And I'm sure Miss Hour's looking down with a wink and a nod. And what's weird is on the big screen in the background, they've got like kind of Zoom screens of fans who can't attend. Oh, like what they did with like the basketball and... uh... Yeah. Yeah. But a bigger one of Kabashi. And my mind did start to go, like, he didn't seem to go because it was always on in the background. You could kind of see it. And I thought, Christ, mate, you must be busting for a slash watching this. <laughs> Jesus. Length of time this is going on at his age, just sitting there going, oh, fuck me. I've done a couple of these before. I mean, absolute belters, but God. Like, and he start like, if you looked at it, again, I started to look at him. And there was like a kind of Radiohead exit music from a film vibe kind of underneath <laughs> of him having to watch this hour-long Noah main event that was at best fine and, and better Sorry. than the bits of the Keno Nakajima match. Star rating, mate, hour-long match. I don't know if I could go really above 3.25. That's a lot of time for 3.25. Uh, yes, yeah, it like, is. Fucking tell me about it. At yeah. least it's not Jay Lethal and Matt Taven, though. Like, you know, legend says that match is actually still going on to this yeah. day um, at this uh, time. Just never ended. And what's weird, I think, for Noah, and it's an interesting position because they're not going away because of the cyber agent thing. So they appear to have kind of their ducks in a row. Mm. And this is very much part of their rebuilding. Their money match for me is Nakajima versus Kiyomiya at some point. And I suspect that they'll put the belt onto Nakajima. He'll get a good run. Like, and I think at that stage, they'll have him and Shawazaki kind of have their tag team blow up. I'm always intrigued by this in the same way I'm intrigued with like all Japan and the little stories of these companies who are trying to gain momentum and buzz. And how do they go about doing it? And at times they fail. And at times you think well, that was an interesting experiment. It was worth doing. Mm. Um, but yeah, hour long main events. Uh, yeah, I'm sick of really long main events as well. Did you see somebody tagged us tonight that uh, is a Hayata put the uh, the IPW UK Junior Heavyweight Title in the bin? Apparently that happened on a uh, on a Noah show this week. I know the match was on. I didn't get round to it. It was him and Daisuke Harada oh, okay. who won it in the tournament over here. I've just I've just watched the video there of him literally putting the belt in the bin. That's where that belt should come. Is that now the death of IPW? I think that's it. It's official now. Unless someone fishes really? it out, you never know. Someone might. It's the the TNA of Brit rest. It I could don't be. know. The hardcore title. Yeah. <laughs> Not going away. <laughs> oh. What have uh, you been watching uh, this week then, Gareth? Anything, anything quick from you that uh, you managed to see? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been watching any other shows. I mean, one thing that I did really enjoy was um, on, on Fox the other day, um, they did um, a SummerSlam 92 watch party and it was... Booker T and Renny Young and CM Punk and you know you know me I'll watch anything with Punk on it and um, um, but they had a Bret Hart as a guest and they were like chatting through um, chatting through the, the match with the Bulldog at Wembley so um, it was just uh, it was just some really it was just really good stuff you know just for something that was kind of like quite 
lighthearted and a bit of a change from, I don't know, it was like WWE-related product, but almost taken away. And it was in another world completely where they were like had freedom to just say what they wanted and reference other promotions and kind of just tell little stories. And there was just that like good little interaction between them all and things like that. And it's I definitely recommend it just as, as something as just, I don't know, as an alternative to... Um, I don't know any other documentaries that out, might be out there on WWE or even just as an alternative to some podcasts that you normally listen to and things mm. like that because obviously you have Brett telling good stories about him and Bulldog which again some of them you've heard before and things like that but it was just different just to hear you know Punk and Booker T asking him some you know good 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 questions and different questions and I think one of the things that was quite interesting was it sort of alludes to the point that you were making before uh, JP about like losses and losses you know losing matches like actually matter and one of the big things he was talking about there was like that element of trying to project realism and you know projecting that it counts and almost that thing of him almost saying like when you've lost a match trying to make it look like oh that set me back six months or something like that you know as if he's being like i've lost and it doesn't matter or he lost he's crap he's buried kind of thing that mentality and things and just even putting in that that work after the bell's gone and things so there's just like just some good little elements there that were just quite interesting to to hear from a mindset point of view and again as much as i love hearing punk speak you know i love hearing brett speak because as well you know thinking back the age i am he was he was obviously having all those great matches in the early 90s and things and he'll always have a bit of a special place in my heart but another another big part of it for me as well was just punk just having so many little digs little snide digs at the wwe throughout um throughout you know again you can go and listen to them but he was you know he was talking about things like the last pay-per-view in england but the main event been triple h versus kevin nash for the title and him like laughing his head off and saying like so that's why we've never gone back there then and things like that you know just having little digs at triple h Amazing. and you know him being, him being him wondering why they didn't get to watch the nails match at SummerSlam 92 and things like that you know just having <laughs> Have it, you know, have it, uh, little little things like that, and just Good you know, luck. just talking a lot about how like. Um, like, oh yeah, they brought Bruce Pritchard back. That's a great having. You know, he's the right guy to be writing TV for the younger audience as well. He knows what the younger people want on their TV and stuff like that. You know, he was really. And I haven't seen it like a, a lot of this stuff like pop up on Twitter or news sites and things like that. A lot of these comments that he was he was saying, and you know, Brett was talking about how Dynamite should be in the Hall of Fame, and Punk was saying, yeah, well, you know, the smart people know that that doesn't matter, you know, kind of thing. And you know, you just it was just like this constant stream of like little pops. It was like listening to you a lot basically <laughs> like having, <laughs> it was like having joe back in the mix or something like that going off on going off on vince but you know i think joe and just... booker t doing a podcast <laughs> it was um it was definitely let's say it was it was like two hours long you didn't need to be watching you know it wasn't a watch along where you needed to be watching the matches where you know they were talking about like the the detail of what was happening in the matches it was just like four people just chatting shit and just having a bit mm. of fun things like that and yeah definitely uh definitely recommend recommend that certainly the best wwe related thing that i've watched for a, a number of years i would say oh wow that, that's high praise <laughs> Well, it's not really, is it? <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> not even slightly. It sounds perfect for the painting I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah, sounds yeah. absolutely ideal. Oh, I'd, I, I, ideal for that. You can have a have a little laugh along. Hear some good little stories. Hear some good, like intelligent wrestling thinking behind you know mindsets of putting putting matches together and things like that as well. And yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a good bit of fun. Awesome. Uh, while you guys were busy doing that, I watched. Uh, did you guys see Monsoon Classic? Uh, put a little video up of uh, 
this random Buddy Land Elvis is Shawn Michaels match from 1996. Like I saw from like Smoky the Mountain. Of, yeah, from Smoky Mountain. Yeah, like Shawn Michaels oh. flying in as the big WWF star and is pumping 96 to do a Smoky Mountain stop. Like I saw that little clip and I was like, I've got to watch this whole match. And I watched it. It's only about 11 minutes on YouTube. It's dead quick watch, dead easy watch. It's so much fun. Like I love Shawn Michaels in that period. Like he was, I was 12. He was absolutely my hero at that point. Um, not to the point where I'd probably wear any of his merch. Um, never had anything good, did he, Sean? And the, the whole biker hat I hope stuff you weren't always... shitting in anyone's bags either. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I got, he was a bad influence uh, once I got into my teen years in, uh, in 97, 98. Uh, but no, he's an absolute hero at this time. So the idea of like seeing him in like a smoky mouth, basically in an indie, like let's all be honest, that's what it is. He's in an indie setting with this fucking crowd going nuts because this WWF star's there. He's in there putting in the shift of his life. like, And you know Shawn Michaels is like... He's an arsehole at the best of times, especially in 1996. He could have easily gone in there with a Buddy Landell, you know, the fake nature boy, and not been arsed. Oh, he proper goes for it with him. It's such a good match. Like, even the little things in it, like the strikes back and forth, like the punches between the two of them, like you just... You don't see you don't see strikes that good these days. It was like a proper fist fight at points. You like Cornet on the outside running interferences. So that I think the general they were calling him uh, at that time. Uh, oh, so Mark Curtis is the referee. Um, who used to be NWO Revenge fans might remember is the little referee in the corner in the uh, in the graphics. He's dressed like he's in like a band. He's like got braces on, big hair, big beard, like going going mad for all the big moves in the match and like. It's a great example of protecting as well. Like the like, obviously Sean's going over. I think he's IC champion at this time, so it was right before he won the uh, the world belt. Um, and they, they they do a really good job of basically like they they try they try to cheat and use the uh, use the racket, and then the ref refuses the count. Mark Curtis refuses the count. Sean gets up, super kick one two three, but everyone looks good. And it's just a cracking bit of business. Like, Buddy Landell, to me, like, he, he came through to WWF at that time, didn't he? Like, in the mid-90s. And I remember seeing him and kind of going, who the fuck's this, like, Ric Flair knockoff? Like, what? Like, I think they even gave him Flair's music, didn't they, when he did, like, the odd appearance? But genuinely, like, he's someone who, whose work I've never really dug into. This is a fucking great match. Oh. I really enjoyed it. Are you a big Buddy Landell fan, are you, JP? I thought you might be. I think me and Gareth completely <laughs> are. He's a big <laughs> part of WCW Pro as Buddy Landell. Oh. Like, oh. He was like a supreme... And don't get me wrong, even then you were aware that there was Ric Flair. Yeah. Who, and it was just like... Hang on a minute. Both ripping off um, Buddy Rogers, isn't it? Buddy Rogers, yeah. Mm. But, like, smooth as fuck, Mm. I imagine Buddy Landell is what he came across. In the mid 90s? Yeah. Like, the perfect kind of early to mid 90s heel, territory heel that you get to work against, who knows how to look good. Like, it's funny because it'd be very easy, it'd be very easy to sort of go back and kind of mock him. But I've got really like, I got, I'm very nostalgic for Buddy Landell mm-hmm. because he all, the matches he was involved in were fun because he himself was fun because he really knew his character and the heel character and the way it was. And the fact that we all knew it was a knockoff Flair and Buddy Rogers and, and, and yeah, the, the, the fake nature boy stuff. Like, and he just did it to perfection. And yeah, Southern, what was it, Tennessee, they'd be running those shows, wouldn't they? Mm. Christ, they'd lap that shit up, I'd imagine, that period of time, wouldn't they? I read in one of the comments, apparently him and Sean were uh, worked together in Mid-South, and that was why Sean was wanting them to do him the favour. Like, I uh, wondered if it was that or AWA. 
Oh yeah, that might make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah during that run, but yeah, great stuff. You're, you're a big fan of I, Gareth. Oh yeah, he's just like JP says. He's just one of them guys for you, from your childhood on WCW Pro, and just like even if he was, you know, in some, in some, you know, in some, um, you know, in some instances he might seem like he was getting a bit more of a push. In other instances, he was just like a pure jobber. But you always noticed him, kind of thing, like his facials and things like that. He always, he always. You know, he always really connected, like not just with the crowd, but like through the through the TV as well. He could he could he could work whatever style of match it was that that, that was needed. But then, like when he when he had to lose and he had to eat shit, he, he fucking ate shit good and proper kind of mm. thing. You know, you you, you you know, he really made a made a big deal of it kind of thing as well. And you know, he was just one of them people who's just like invaluable to have in there. And like you say, just the whole fake fake nature boy shtick kind of thing on you know presenting himself as as being the I, I think i maybe even remember him and flair having a match in wcw around that time that time um potentially i'll have to like take the it out. spider-man yeah. meme isn't it that yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but um but yeah it was just you know he just totally played up to it you know he was like he was in on the joke sort of thing and mm. but trying to take himself seriously about it all like great stuff like he was like a boss level jobber Mm. He was like he was he was the jobber you got had to get through. Where was really the gambler on this get... totem pole? Um, Low. You know, the, gambler, the gambler wouldn't stick out nearly as much for me personally as Buddy Landell would. Oh, in the enough. same way that of uh, Buddy Rose in his WWF run, mm. I can remember that and putting on that. There was something he said about losing weight. I, I, again, this could be a fever dream. And there was some powder that you would the rub blow, on the, bl- the blow away plan or something like yes. that. Was <laughs> that wasn't some sort of like fit I was having at the time. That was a real thing. That was in <laughs> WWF that, that, magazine. That wasn't you surrounded by a load of powder, JP. No. <laughs> I hope not on that age. Jesus, I'd have been about fucking nine. <laughs> I wasn't Drew Barrymore, mate. I was going to say you were you were, you were you were pulling pints in a pub at nine, weren't you? <laughs> I was. I was a fucking bouncer on the weekend. All and that's not all he was pulling in that yeah. pub as well. Hey. <laughs> oh, God, Here all week. Glad we could end on a high with a bit of a bit of a bloody land. I love it. Uh, oh, sorry, JP. I was about to close. You, you didn't get you know your warrior wrestling stuff in. Uh, any good? Oh. I- I didn't see much of it. Like, oh, you didn't watch it. I, I watched up till I saw Sam Adonis versus um, uh, what was it? Uh, Lance Archer. Ah. But it was the setup, like I said earlier on. Like, so the, it's a high school, so it's a very much a family show. Hmm. Um, they had a Kylie Ray match in the opener, and it was like it was very socially distanced, entirely across this football field, like hmm. massive gaps like a parody of social distancing at points that it felt like people were that far away and they'd come out to the music using the the big speakers that are in the stadium for it as well and I hold a bloody good crowd I'll tell you that much or I can get up to sort of about 10k in that place um yeah and they run it um I saw a good match between um was it Trey Lamar hmm. who was on the GCW show him and Isaiah Velasquez I thought had a had a nice match um, the second match on the card. And then I saw Lance Archer beat Sam Adonis in not the kind of squash style fashion um, that you'd imagine it to be. But people seemed excited about Lance Archer. He seemed happy about the whole thing as well. I like his theme music. You know, like, again, I've said that as a deliberate thing, Benno. Yeah, again, <laughs> we've not had, we've had a lack of that throughout the show. But yeah. <laughs> it, 
it's fine for what it is, but it's one of those big northeast fly-in shows, mm. isn't it? For yeah. it, but I haven't seen the rest of the card. I don't know if I'll get around to seeing it. To be honest, you get big names while you're wrestling, but yeah, not really something yeah. I'm that interested in. But what? Cool. When it was Isaiah Velasquez, I thought it said Kane Velasquez. Mm. I thought, fuck yeah, like let's watch this. Like, Kane Velasquez work in the Indies. Um, I think Warrior pay his feet. Oh, it just feels like a sad fall from grace for the man who legitimately beat the shit <laughs> out of Brock Lesnar. Uh, whatever <laughs> to this. Yeah. Got got his win back though, didn't he? There you go. Hogan. <laughs> it's Hogan all over and it's Hogan Warrior. Uh, amazing. <laughs> right, anything else uh, before we go? Anything you want to plug, Gareth? Um, don't know, where should people send birthday cards? Uh, in general... Grapple Gareth at Grapple Towers Crosby L23 (laughs) I think you'll find it's Grapple Mansion (laughs) it'll get get here (laughs) don't know me (laughs) yeah no just uh, just download download the Grapple app and uh, yeah on the um, obviously on Google Play and and App Store that's the that's the main one give us a give us a follow on Grapple app Um, but yeah otherwise uh, keep listening to these guys as always JP um, yep, I'm going to be recording with WH Park um, for the long and winding Royal Road. Oh, yeah. Um, going to be doing that on the uh, uh, Jumbo versus um, uh, Mitsuhara Masawa. Hmm. Should really know that. I'm going to record about that, really. <laughs> it's only one of the most famous matches in wrestling history. Fuck it. I'll try to complete this early. Oh, you'll wing it, so, mate. Okay. I'll be fine. Um, but yeah, uh, recording. Um, doing that so i think that wouldn't be out though for the next couple of weeks um planning on doing some more round tables as well mm-hmm. so i'll keep people updated on that otherwise you can follow me at jpgp three e's awesome uh follow gareth at crapple gareth follow me at benson richard e we're about to hit uh, the busy season so yeah there's going to be plenty of podcasts coming from us with uh, all these uh, all these shows coming up but yeah we'll be back uh, next monday to talk AEW. All the news in wrestling and wherever else is going. And maybe some more gladiators chat. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that's it for us for uh, another show. We'll see you again next Monday night. Bye. See ya. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.